Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from 476 Barbary Street, discussing the 2022 horror film Barbarian. This film was written and directed by Zach Kreger. Thanks in part to a masterful trailer that gave away nothing of the true plot of the film, Barbarian shook the horror community in 2022. This film shines in its ability to subvert audience expectation. Due in large part to word of mouth, Barbarian was able to turn its $4.5 million budget into $45 million at the box office, making it both a financial and critical success. This film was suggested to us by friends of the show, Brittany Ramatar, Kent Morton, Carissa, Dylan, Kristen Lofton, John Garns, Court Clitty, and Macy McDonald. We want to thank all of them for their support as well as this suggestion. So what did you guys think of Barbarian the first time you saw it? I remember really liking this movie the first time. It was very weird, different. Um, I did have a good time uh, watching it for the show. There's a few things that I, 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 a few nitpicky things, I guess. And a couple of things I will say that I don't think are nitpicky, but they are just my kind of opinion. But you know what I mean? Just kind of, uh, things that I seen that I didn't kind of, that I didn't find in my favor. Okay. Um, but really good movie. Like it's really good movie. Uh, it still is like watching it again for the show. It still is. I feel like now, and I've appreciated a lot. Yeah. Is it seems that every horror movie that comes out, it kind of has a moment on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it is so refreshing to see horror celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's typically a very, (laughs) like, malignant was polarizing. (laughs) (laughs) This one, though, whenever it came out, I did not see one person say a bad thing about it. Right. It was very, very positive and it was very exciting to see. And so the hype is there to watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, the first time, it lived up to the hype. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. It kept me guessing the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, very well put together. Yeah. Um the second time I will say because a lot of a lot of it is powered simply by what what the fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. And so watching it again the second time and having that kind of taken away from you, mm-hmm. you know what's going on. And so you kind of we talked a little off mic, have the opportunity to kind of view it a different way and maybe take notice of things you hadn't before. Yeah. Right. Easier to observe things that are outside of other than the weird shit that's yes. going exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of weird yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first time it was all about the plot and where it was going because I had no fucking idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The second time I actually got to appreciate the filmmaking of it. Yeah. And it's very, very well made. Yeah. yeah. I will say along with JP, I do have a little, uh, a few complaints, concerns, mm-hmm. but I feel like by and large, the movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I think that it's a little uneven. Okay. I, I okay. think that's fair. Okay. I I mean, there are at least two times that you're completely knocked off kilter. Like you don't right. even know what you're watching anymore. And for me personally, that is a big pro. Mm-hmm. I love not know. And we talked about this on Talk Mortem as well. I love watching something and not knowing what's coming next. Yes. Okay. And we talk about like taking familiar tropes and kind of subverting them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this film does that masterfully. Like 
you know, going into Barbarian, and I mentioned the trailer up top because I I avoid trailers like The Plague. I think all three of us do. Yeah. I can't remember what we went to go see, but there was a trailer for it on it at, mm. at the theater. Right. And so I watched it. I mean, I can't like girl under the <laughs> yeah. seat. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you could. But <laughs> that's on you. Yeah. yeah. Someone didn't want to try. But, <laughs> but I watched it and was like, oh, shit. Like, that looks good. But at the same time, watching the trailer, I know exactly what that movie is. Yeah. Like, I know... You know, that's that's the bad guy. That's what you know. And no, you fucking don't like you don't. The trailer did such a good job of like getting your ass in the seat and being like, no surprise, bitch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was floored the first time we watched it. I think that's a luxury that we don't really have oh, much yeah. Yeah. anymore is being able to go in with no knowledge. Yeah. And it's very refreshing, like you're saying, because reading about this later on and Zach Kreger saying how he set it up and plotted it, thought of it, he said, as a triptych. If I had known that going in, that would oh, hurt. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because then I'm like, okay, well then, okay, part one, part two, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But not knowing anything and then just having certain things cut the way they do, you're like, what the what hell? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, yeah. My you head know? is spitting. Yes. I watched a lot. Like, it, this is a kind of a departure for us because we don't always, like, jump on newer films. And this one is really, really new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know that we watched a lot of interviews and stuff. And Zach Kreger's process was kind of fascinating to me because there's this book by gavin de becker called the gift of fear it came out in the 90s and it was i guess really really popular like oprah loved it It, it, that was a whole moment but um it was basically it was it's a nonfiction book and it's got like they call it pre-incident indicators for women to kind of prepare themselves in the presence of men So it's like this list of things like not taking no for an answer or like complimenting you inappropriately or when you don't ask for it. Like, it's just this list of like, yeah, this may seem innocuous, but it could lead to this. So is this a.k.a. red flags? Red flags. Yes. Okay. I would say today we would call them red flags. All right. All right. But back in the 90s. He read back in the 90s. (laughs) They were pre-incident indicators. Um, (laughs) But uh, Zach Kreger was like, I'm going to write a short where a woman meets a man and all of these red flags come up. And that's how it started. Like, that's the beginning of the film. Okay. And, you know, I'll bring it up again when we get to this point. But there's a point where, again, like I said, you think you know where the story is going. And as he was writing it, he was like, I know what's about to happen next. If I know what's about to happen next, whoever reads this or watches it is going to know what's going to, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening next. So what if blank? And he thought of this outlandish thing that could happen where do i go from there and so that's what we see in the film and he went from there with it and i mean it's (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) as someone who writes that is it's so commendable to be like no this is fucking boring let me throw this wrench in that makes no fucking sense and make it make sense (laughs) i mean it's 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 risky it's risky for me it's very successful no yeah i think it is in a lot of ways i will say um i listened to this interview he did with the boo crew over on bloody disgusting okay and yeah (laughs) he was saying basically that 
it's possible when you do something this risky in this film, you have the possibility of losing your audience three times. Oh, yeah. Literally. And it's, I mean, it's pretty courageous. I know I think he made a film, he co-directed a film before this, but to launch into the horror genre with something like this and do it at this level is really remarkable and courageous because like the... There's a lot of nuance and subject matter in this film mm-hmm. Yeah, that you're walking a tightrope on a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. And to, he even said that as he was reading the book, he's like, this is not something I ever even would think. Interacting with somebody, I would never see that as a red flag. I would never yeah. see that as dangerous. And so, I mean, again, this is operating on such a binary. But the fact that on the other side of that, you know, and, and that is addressed in the film as well. Yeah. That it's like, well, for me... This, this, and this is scary for you. You know, you just would just walk right in. I mean, it's it's such an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, courageous to like kind of take a pretty nuanced argument and present it in a way that is still scary and it does still, you know, kind of make you have a conversation. Yeah. Okay. I will say that it's very interesting to me that both he and Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Started out in sketch comedy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kreger was with the whitest kids you know. Yeah. If, yeah. if anybody remembers the Abraham Lincoln that's sketch. All I, that's <laughs> I all think, I know of them. I but... think he was Abraham Lincoln. Shut <laughs> yeah. So it's unbelievable. But seeing, you know, and when you think about it, he said this in the interview, but it's something that is very, very true. Yeah. Comedy and horror follow a lot of the same beats. You need to have good timing. You need to have good pacing and you need to know when to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it works and you see Jordan Peele how successful he is. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, <laughs> <laughs> I was going on too much of a tangent. <laughs> he said, slow down. Yeah, slow down, me. <laughs> Calm down. Catch your breath. Um, <laughs> um, Jordan Peele, I read in an interview in IndieWire, was an unofficial consultant on this film. Oh, I love nice. that. He showed him a rough cut of it. He showed him parts of the script. There's even a shot in the film that was cut on Jordan Peele's insistence. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's very interesting for them both to have kind of the same background and to be friends. Yeah. yeah. So I was very happy to see that. He said, and that's the thing with uh, this script being so complicated uh-huh. and so weird and so shifting. He made a list. He said he made a spreadsheet of all the companies that have made a horror film in the past like 15 years. Mm-hmm. All of them rejected him, <laughs> including A24, who this really? seems perfect it for. It seems right. Or yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say Allie, but in honor of John Paul, it seems right up A24's ass. <laughs> yeah. That well. is, that's really surprising. Very surprising. But again, that's inspiring the fact that that many doors were closed and he's like, I'm, you know. Even the Blumhouse guy? I guess so. I he mean, was like, he's always in the bushes like yeah. for some shit. <laughs> well, he I mean, was like, like 4.5 million <laughs> dudes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Call me when it's one. <laughs> now, before we double book this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's head downstairs. The film opens with the sound of heavy rain. Not the game. <laughs> Thank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, I still have nostalgia for it. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> we pan up to see a house, 476 Barbary. Its porch light is on, illuminating the empty street in front of it as the storm rages in the darkness. 
I read recently somebody had said that your opening shot of your film can kind of be your thesis statement Mm -hmm. and ever since then i've been kind of watching first shots of films now yeah and this is basically not to quote the skin of a ring trailer but it's basically in (laughs) In this this house house. (laughs) (laughs) headlights brighten the street as a vehicle pulls up an unnerving score mounts but as we pass through the passenger window it stops inside the car Tess Marshall, played by Georgina Campbell, consults her phone. I just want to shout out Georgina Campbell. Yes. She's fucking incredible. She was in an episode. If you have not seen the Hang the DJ episode of Black Mirror, uh-huh. we'll fin- finish this first <laughs> <laughs> and then go watch it because I cried my fucking face off. It is so good. I don't know why the love stories of Black Mirror, they, they stick oh, to my bones. Yeah. yeah, they're good. I love they, them the most. They get you. But she mutters the code for the lockbox, 8831. She's looking at an agreement for the Airbnb that she's rented. I did want to say very quickly that it was brought to Zach Kreger's attention that the title Barbarian was made up of the letters from Airbnb. He was like, wow. He had had no idea. He said he needed to save the document and he needed to write a title. And And also the house number 476 476 is the year that Rome fell to the barbarians. And uh-huh. people were like, this is so smart, blah, blah, blah. He was like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah, at least he's telling the truth. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, that was my intention the whole time. It's like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I just, I thought that was great because he's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he said in an interview that he might have gotten it just because he named it Barbary Street first. Huh. Not the film, but the name of the street. Right. And he's okay. like, well, I guess I could just call it Barbarian. He's yeah. Like, that might be where I got it. Oh, all right. Yeah. That's hilarious, though. Just so. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. But we see a part of the agreement, including the code 8331, as she ignores an incoming call from someone named Marcus. This film doesn't take place over a super long period of time. Mm-mm. But you don't have to remember Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Man, fuck Marcus. Yeah, <laughs> She turns off the car and steps out into the rain, gathering her suitcase, backpack, and purse, and repeating 8831 to herself as she walks up to the house. Once on the porch, she tries the code on the lockbox, but it doesn't open. Frustrated, she checks the code again, ignoring another call from Marcus. And when she realizes that the code is 8331 instead of 8831 like she thought, she types it into the lockbox. It opens this time, but it's completely empty inside. She tries the door, but it's locked. She tries to call property management, but gets the voicemail of a manager named Bonnie, played by Sophie Sorensen. Shivering in the cold, but shielded on the porch from the rain, she leaves a message. She says that she's standing on the porch in the rain and there's no key in the lockbox. She pleads for them to call her back and hangs up the phone. She looks up and down the street, and aside from the porch light she's standing under and one street lamp in front of the next house, the street is completely dark. This is kind of a nightmare already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I I was thinking that when I was watching it. I was like, man, I've been to some bad neighborhoods, but this looks just scary. <laughs> yes. There's, well, what? you can't even see. It's, no. It's complete darkness. There's the one street light, yeah. and that's it. It's like, is, this, is Freddy going to come out of yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> am I dreaming Am right I now? sleeping yeah. in the car? <laughs> <laughs> Wisely, she gets back in the car. When she looks back at the house, though, one of the windows is lit up. I do want to say her getting back in the car, I was very pleased. Yeah. I think that Tess kind of has... She's human. 
Yeah. She makes very smart decisions. Yes. And then she makes decisions. You're like, whoa, no, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, but it's, it's human. You know, I, I'm fine with her making mistakes. (laughs) I'll talk about it later, but I, for me, that was something that kind of bugged me. Okay. But it was just because of how much I like her character. Right. Yeah. I'll put it like that. Okay. But she goes back and rings the doorbell, peering through one of the windows. Someone turns on another light inside and looks back at her before opening the door. Keith, played by Bill Skarsgård, looks like he's just woken up. Tess asks who he is, but he can only ask her the same question. She tries to confirm the address, but he's not 100% sure. He says that he doesn't live here. He's renting the place and he doesn't have the address at the tip of his tongue in the middle of the night. I mean, honestly, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. As thunder claps behind her, Tess says that she's the one renting this place. They quickly realize that they've both booked the same house on different sites. She shows him the confirmation on her phone and tells him that the code that she was given even works on the lockbox. She's supposed to be here. Keith asks if she's tried calling anyone and she says that she didn't get an answer. He asks if she booked the right date and she hands her phone over so he can see for himself. He finally concedes at this point. She asks what they're supposed to do and after a moment of mulling it over, Keith invites her to come inside so they can call the idiots together. The rain is pouring and thunder is rumbling behind her and Tess hesitates for a moment. Finally, with a really fucking great shot, Tess enters the house and it kind of slides over mm-hmm. and we see the title card and huge letters, Barbarian. Yeah. Well, you got a 50-50 chance of him being an evil clown. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I, like 75, 25. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> we don't know what's happening yet. I heard he has a paper boat in there that I. Yeah. yeah I got to get the boat. I lost that when I was a kid. <laughs> But um, I, I did love that shot and it was a little peek through into like a really disgusting thing through the letters of Barbarian. Yeah. There's yeah. like roaches on the walls and yeah. shit. And I'm like, what the fuck are we about to get ourselves like, into? Like what is happening? Um, Bill Skarsgård I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's great in this yes. film. He's great really in pretty much everything I've seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I <laughs> will say I did laugh when he's like, come inside. And then he steps into a villainous shadow. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do it's like, not go no. in that house. Gonna go back in the car. <laughs> but um, he was actually an executive producer on this film. Oh, Very nice. Cool. The way that that happened was the script originally went to producers J.D. Lifshitz and Raphael Margulis. Uh, Blum called them the next Blumhouse. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And so they were ca- trying to secure financing, and then it eventually goes to the producer, Roy Lee, who's done a lot of work with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And two of the films he's done with Warner Brothers are It and It Chapter Two. <laughs> okay, so I see. Yeah. Yeah. And he. There was a whole long story about him getting Bill Skarsgård involved. Mm-hmm. He also saved the production because a financier that was going to finance the film passed away during production. Oh, oh. man. Or pre-production. And then Roy Lee secured more financing overnight and actually got the budget increased to $4.5 million. Damn. So this dude basically saved Barbarian. Yeah. Right. From Vulture. <laughs> According to what I've read on Vulture. <laughs> but the house is neat inside. Tess looks the living room and dining area over before excusing herself to the restroom. She stops herself and turns around, asking Keith if he can show her his confirmation. Smart. Yeah. Brilliant. 
Keith bristles a little at this, asking if it's so that she can see that he's not a weirdo who broke in here to sleep. But he quickly tells her that it's fine and that he'll go get his phone. She continues to the bathroom, looking into the dark bedroom as she goes down the hall. Skarsgård, I think, plays this so well because he's alternating tones constantly. Yes. Yeah. In one moment, you're like, oh, he's the nicest guy ever. Yeah. And then the other moment, you're like, oh, wait, he is six foot four. And he's, <laughs> yeah, no. he's fucking frightening. He's going to cut me up and eat me. Exactly. Like, for sure. <laughs> Literally, the second that I saw him step into the shadows, I said, he's the barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. John Paul, and I don't think we can get to it yet, but he made a really... Uh, we were talking about it earlier, an observation that I was like, yes, exactly. Huh? But oh, we can't get into it. No, tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but once she walks through the bathroom's threshold, Keith looks down the hall at her and it looks <laughs> incredibly menacing. Like yeah. horrifying. Inside the bathroom, Tess immediately locks the door and sits down to pee. Keith's overnight bag is propped up on the sink and she takes a sneaky peek inside at the toothpaste. His electric toothbrush charges on a stand on the floor. There are travel size shampoo and body wash bottles with product missing from them on the edge of the tub. All signs of someone who is staying somewhere for the night. Yeah. Or all signs of a very, very, very meticulous, meticulous <laughs> serial killer. I mean, I don't know. Pour he's, a little he's, shampoo yeah, out. He's got his toothbrush on the floor. Yeah, I didn't yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a little too close. Yeah. Yeah, just charge it on the sink. Yeah. It'll fit. Honestly, who would? <laughs> See, go back to your car. Uh, no, you are a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Only a killer would put their toothbrush on the yeah, floor. I'll do that. <laughs> when she goes back into the living room, Keith isn't there. He appears behind her, telling her here and scaring the shit out of her and me. I was well, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, did you go get your phone in slow motion? <laughs> I was pissing she for peed. like. <laughs> <laughs> He's practicing his fucking robot on yeah. the way. It's like, dude, get your phone. This is serious. <laughs> but she cries out and laughs it off. He says that he was just getting his phone and shows his confirmation to her. His is right, too. He proposes that maybe he has a different contact number because he booked with HomeAway and she booked with Airbnb, but no dice there either. They have the same contact number. Keith just chuckles, admitting that he doesn't know the protocol here. Tess says that she doesn't know either and they just stand there awkwardly. She volunteers to find somewhere else and walks over to the door. But Keith says that he feels bad. She tells him that he didn't do anything, but he asks if she's just going to drive around looking for hotels. She says that she has a phone. She can make calls. He's like, I don't know if you got a good look at the neighborhood. And she didn't. No. Yeah. But he says that he doesn't think it's safe for her to be sitting in the dark in her car alone out there. He invites her to stay here where it's dry and there's a lock on the door while she looks for somewhere else to stay. Tess contemplates this and we cut to her scrolling through search results for Detroit hotels. He hands her the password for the Wi-Fi and the two of them finally properly introduce themselves and share their names. But he tells her that she has a pretty name and she thanks him after a moment. He goes into the kitchen, offering her some tea, but she declines. He says that the people left a bottle of wine with a ribbon on it and some nuts if she wants that. She declines this too. Tess calls one of the hotels while in the background, Keith says that he's going to have some tea and he'll just make her a cup too. No, you will not. I'm like, yeah. I said no. <laughs> Once someone answers the phone, she asks if there are any rooms available for tonight. We don't hear them, but the answer is clearly a disappointing one. 
Keith comes into the living room to let her know that the water is heating up, but also there's a huge medical convention in town and she's probably not going to be able to get a room at all. I love. Thank you for just remembering. Yeah. (laughs) I love that this just came to him just now. Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Number two, his delivery of that. He's like, oh, I just remember the the water's heating up, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just great. But I will say again, the world that we live in, somebody being helpful and accommodating. Yeah. Suspicious. Red flag. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sad, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like that uh, Metallica song. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) If that helps. But Tess sighs deeply. Keith invites her to stay here. She can have the bedroom and he'll take the couch. He says that tomorrow they can call them and both get their money back and have had a free stay for the night. She wrestles with the idea, still in disbelief at their situation. But Keith says that he really doesn't know what else they can do. She contemplates for another moment before insisting that she sleep on the couch. But Keith is not trying to hear it. He says that you can call him what you want, but there's no way he's sleeping in a bedroom while a young lady is sleeping on the couch. He blames it on his upbringing, but says that it's non-negotiable. I just want to say they're clearly probably the same age. Yes. And if I were Tess, I'd be like, that sounds like something that an eternal clown would say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll I'm take my gonna chances. Go. <laughs> I'm going to get back in the car. <laughs> but I I was telling your sister, I mean, I would do the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I'll take the couch. That's fine. I'm a little Where's his car? Oh, that's true. That that would Yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, it all that that's the thing is even in this moment where everything on the surface, he's being very kind. Yes. He's like, no, yeah. it's, it's dangerous out there. Stay here. Do you like it's cold outside? Do you want some tea? Like everything he's doing is very nice. But there's this nagging like, did you orchestrate this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Is this your place? And you booked me. And now we have this run in. Yeah, yeah. Like what? What is going on? Like, it's very scary. Yeah. But Tess tells him that no offense, but she has a thing about clean sheets. We cut to sheets tumbling around in a dryer. He's like, I haven't even slept here yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was asleep when she came. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Yeah. Man, she's showing up late. Yeah. yeah. But there is an ominous top view of a cup of tea. And when we come back down, we see Tess looking over at it from the couch. That match cut from the washer yeah. to the cup of tea. Yeah. It's great. I I don't want to say that I'm easily impressed, but if there's a match cut in your film, you just went up <laughs> <laughs> at least a point. <laughs> Keith comes inside with her bags and she gets to her feet thanking him. She tells him that he didn't have to do that, but he repeats that it's not up for discussion. After all, he's the one with the raincoat. He, okay. He's, he is, you know what? It's kind of giving Norman Bates. Yeah, well that... That is all right. That's very interesting because Zach Kreger had mentioned a couple influences. Okay. Um, one of them is a big one that maybe we'll get to at the end of this act. I think maybe I'll wait to say that one. Okay. But uh, one of them is Psycho. No okay. shit. And another one was Drag Me to Hell because of how Sa- Sam Raimi shot it. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Later. And on. I mean, also Justin Long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to right, that. Throw him in there. We'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. That is crazy, though, because it did hit me just now that he is he's kind of lanky. He's yeah. acting a little awkward. Right. Very helpful. And accommodating. S- yeah, so yeah. nice. Like, yes. so it's but it's, with a weird tinge of nervous energy. Yeah. So I was like, that's that's cool. Yeah. 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 And she's coming in from the rain. Yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> 
you're like, well, I'll be damned. That is, that is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but he tries to carry her stuff over to the room for her, but she insists taking it herself. We see her locking the door the second she gets in the bedroom. Every shot of her locking the door, I'm like, yes, bitch. Yeah, like, yeah. She's so aware. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. so smart. But she starts to take things out of her bags, but freezes when she sees that Keith's wallet is still on the dresser. Of course, she opens it up and checks his license. Again, I know you shouldn't be going in people's wallets, but that's fucking smart. Yeah, it is. And the door's locked. You're not going to get caught. Right. Yeah. That's the only reason you shouldn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's up there on the list of reasons. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> There's no one around. <laughs> But his ID confirms it. Keith Toshko from Brooklyn, New York. And he's a Taurus. The only issue that I did have was his license said that he was 5'10". And I was like, my fucking ass. He's 6'4". Yeah. Yeah. Why did you do that? I thought that was weird. But He must have got it when he was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) When he was a toddler. That's huge. (laughs) But she takes a photo with her phone before returning his wallet to him. He thanks her and she excuses herself to the bathroom again, immediately locking the door behind her. She brushes her teeth, washes her face, changes into comfy clothes and puts up her hair. When she emerges from the bathroom, (laughs) Keith looks very ominous, sitting at the small table in the kitchen. He has the gift wine in the center of the table with two wine glasses. He tells her that her laundry is still going, but he's wide awake now and thought he'd have a little wine. He didn't want to open it yet, though, because he noticed that she didn't drink her tea, which he totally gets <laughs> because this whole thing is weird and she doesn't even know him. But he thought she might want some wine and that it would make her uncomfortable if she didn't see him open it. So he waited. He's rambling and a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> but everything he's saying, it's like, wow, that's really thoughtful. Yeah. dude. Like that's OK. That's the thing. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you look at it on the surface, he what he's doing. Yes. Right. He is assuring her that there is not one creepy bone in his body. Yes. But <laughs> all I see now is a full ass creepy skeleton. Because <laughs> nobody like that's what sucks is that he's trying to be setting her at ease. Right. Yeah. right. But all he's doing is it's making me more nervous. Yes. Really? Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, you're conscious of everything. But why are you conscious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, yeah, it's just I don't know because it's Bill Skarsgård. She's like, I want to like this dude. Yeah, yeah, very charming actor. Yeah, but but, uh, but on the on the same on the same side of the coin, honestly, yes, it's Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm afraid of you. I saw him chew a kid's arm off, yeah. dude. <laughs> Do you understand that? <laughs> But I think Tess agrees because she says she doesn't want any. He takes the bow off the wine and starts to put the corkscrew in. And he says that they've probably got a little over an hour for her bedding. He tried to find another set, but he couldn't find any. With no other blankets, she asks what he's going to do with the couch. But he assures her that it's fine, saying that he slept on worse. That scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Like bones? Yeah, (laughs) what do you mean? She sits in the chair across from him and apologizes for all of this. He tells her that she has nothing to apologize for. She's just as put out as he is. He finally gets the wine open and pours himself a glass. He offers to make her some more tea, saying that she can watch him make it this time. They laugh, but she declines again. He asks what brings her here, and she says that she has a job interview tomorrow. 
He asks what the job is, and she says that it's a research position for a documentarian. He's like, oh, who's the documentarian? And Tess says that it's Catherine James. He admits that he doesn't know who she is and asks if she's done anything he may have seen. She mentions Blue Easy, the film Catherine James made about jazz. Keith says that he saw it and thought it was great. I was like, you're fucking lying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at first, yeah. And Tess is incredulous, thinking that he's joking because nobody saw that. But he really has. He cites specific scenes and says that it was great. Tess is shocked that he's seen it, but when he asks what the new film is about, she's much more talkative. She says that it's about artists who have come to Detroit in the last 10 years and set up creative collectives in places where houses are basically free. He's like, you know who you should interview about that? <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he's one of the founding members of the Lion Tamers. Tess is again in disbelief, but Keith insists he's not the guy, but he's one of the guys. So see, for me here, uh, the first time I watched it, I felt that way. I was like, oh, man, this dude's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is our bad guy or this is whatever. But watching it again and then I watched it a couple of times that beginning, he's just fucking nervous. Yes. Like the whole time I'm like, oh, you're not scared. You're nervous. You woke up. There's a pretty girl on your doorstep. You don't know what the fuck's going on. You're just you're just nervous and you're babbling bullshit. Yes. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, that sucks because you did fool me the first time I watched this. <laughs> like I was like, oh no, this is yeah, yeah. I was like, oh no, you're <laughs> yeah, again, you Bum. know, yeah. Um, but watching it again those couple of times, the opening, I was like, man, he's just fucking nervous. I will say that from this point forward, yeah, when he was able to cite certain scenes in the documentary, yeah. That's when I was like, oh, okay. So this is a meat cute. Yeah. <laughs> and it changed. It shifted like this moment whenever yeah. he was citing all that. And when he was talking about the lion tamers, I was like, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And from this point on, I'm like, I really hope these kids make it. <laughs> no, he literally. It's crazy. Uh, one thing, man, I tried to look for the lion tamer thing and it's it's nothing. Yeah, I couldn't at Is all. Is it just for the film? Yeah, probably? it's for the film. And all I could find was it says that it's an organization that finds neighborhoods, uh, fixes them up for them to live in uh -huh. and then sell them. That was it. Huh. That was it. Well, <laughs> Tess asks what he's doing in an Airbnb when they have a whole block. And Keith says that he's here for a week scouring this side of town and looking for the next nest. Right. Next nest. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> and Tess seems very impressed. So again, it's something that she's heard of. Right. She's yeah. aware of it. And so that's whenever, whenever I think I really put myself in the shoes of our protagonist. Okay. Mm -hmm. And okay. as she continued to be kind of nervous around him, I had my guard up. Yeah. yeah. And the second that she lets hers down, I'm like, all right. Yeah. I can stop <laughs> vicariously protecting her. <laughs> <laughs> But she does let her guard down because later we see that the laundry is completely done. But Tess and Keith, both drinking wine now, have moved their conversation to the couch. They're getting along. Yeah. They are. Right. See, I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah. As Keith pours her another glass, she describes her cliche situation. But how, how like, and I know this is not this type of movie, but how really cool would that be? You go, there's As a, a mistake, cute, and it's then, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? You meet your partner, and then it's like, oh, is this real? And then y'all keep in touch, date. And it's like, that, we have a very good story 
to yes. tell. It's a great story. Yeah. I think... Um, That's fate. I hope that it works out for them. Right. And <laughs> well, well, we shall see. <laughs> but she tells her story of the man who thinks that love and control are the same thing and the woman who allows herself to become a kept pet. Her word choice is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Keith asks if it's still happening, saying that she's already got a new job lined up, but Tess corrects him. It's a job interview. She hasn't secured it yet. Keith says that there will always be people who try to force us into a dynamic that serves them, but it's up to us whether or not we play along. Tess says that she just keeps going back and she needs to stop. Either that or the lesson is that guys will walk all over you if you let them. Keith takes exception to this, but Tess expected him to. She says that the world is different for guys. They get to go through life making messes, but it's the girls that have to be careful. She uses their situation as an example. If she had been the first to check in and he had showed up, there's no way in hell that she would have let him in. But even if she had, he wouldn't have even hesitated. He just would have marched in. He reminds her that she just marched in too, but she says that she had to and she was scared. He asks if he looks like some kind of monster, but she says that that's not the point. And it's like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> There's a film that came out a couple of years. <laughs> you look a lot like that right. monster. Are you sure you don't got some more legs under there? <laughs> uh, no, let me see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, like you had said earlier, very binary in the discussion. Yeah. yeah. But it is setting up a lot of what's to come in the film. Right. Yeah. And a lot of kind of under the radar discussions that I think this film's trying to have. Yeah, yeah and uh, and that's why i say like watching this without you know it being as much of a roller coaster because you know what's gonna happen i did not the first time i watched this i did not remember this conversation this conversation did not make yeah. any impression on me because no. i was just like oh like oh, they're so cute you yeah. know what i mean and no, then yeah. whoa fuck <laughs> in about 10 minutes but knowing and like bracing yourself for that twist it's like wow this is a really important conversation yeah Yeah. because the whole time i was like man my heart's really warm watching these (laughs) yeah and now i love them they might they could have just been saying gibberish yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) but she says whether or not he's a monster is not the point he admits that he does understand there are a lot of bad guys out there and that sucks But the question is, is Tess going to let herself stay locked into a toxic dynamic or is she going to move on and find someone else, even if that means getting her heart ripped out again? I like that he wasn't just like, are you going to move on? He's like, move on and find someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe someone else right in front of you. you (laughs) But she asks why it's always the girls that get their hearts ripped out. But he sincerely tells her to trust him. Girls rip too. He's like, you ever know a lady called Beverly Marsh? <laughs> <laughs> she fucking cuts teeth, dude. Kicked my yeah. ass. <laughs> I will say, though, this, to me, it, it's starting to feel, it's going into rom-com territory. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know some people at this point might be complaining, like, oh, you're getting rom-com in my horror movie. I'm sorry. I'm loving every minute yeah, of this. I love yeah. it. And I, I think now's a good... Uh, Time to say his his main inspiration was audition. Okay. And when he said that, I was like, <laughs> "Really? All well, right." Think about it. You know, we kind of have this sweet rom com start, and then it does not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how it ends out. We cut to them laughing in the bedroom as Keith teaches her the perfect way to put a duvet in its cover. 
He puts it over himself, instructing her as he looks like a sheet ghost. She assists him by handing him the duvet and laughs her ass off as he flips the cover off of himself, successfully completing the trick. I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> Dude. I, right. Um, Call me low budget, but I don't know what the fuck that was. I was watching this. Budget. I was like, why is, why is he a ghost? Yeah. Uh, I look, and we we use comforters. Thank yeah. you. I was like, what? You can take your fancy oh, duvet. Your fancy, yeah. 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 I didn't know what the fuck so was going on. So do you like heat up the sheet and then put it inside the blanket or something? I think, or I, think you... and I, I had to look this up. <laughs> <laughs> what it is is it's a duvet and he's putting the duvet cover on on it it's i guess to he's putting a cover on a cover it's a hat on a hat yes <laughs> <laughs> i think the duvet is more comfortable I think you like your thought right. you I've never had the pleasure. <laughs> like I'm just as poor as you. Uh, you know, sure, I think so. Somebody with the duvet, please reach out. Yeah. <laughs> Teach Tell some us. poor bastards. <laughs> <laughs> some broke ass bitches. <laughs> I will say, from a very childish uh, level, seeing him as a ghost speaking in his normal voice, that was very hilarious to me. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> this whole thing was cute and funny. Yeah. Yes. But their laughter fades into a pretty comfortable silence after Keith tells her that she's all set now. He thanks her for spending time with him and apologizes for keeping her up before her interview. But she admits that she had fun and she liked the time that they spent together. They stand awkwardly for a moment before Keith leaves to take his place on the couch. She apologizes for putting him out, but he assures her again that he can sleep on anything. They tell each other goodnight. And when Keith closes the door, Tess is all smiles. So at this point, mm -hmm. they have successfully set it up to where not only do I care about both these characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not only do I identify with both these characters, mm -hmm. I'm worried for both of these characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the span of like, what, 20 minutes? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. That I, I, I will agree with that. Because sometimes they do, there's somebody in there and you're supposed to give a shit and you just don't. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You know, because all they do is like run faster, and <laughs> spin in circles and yell at the sky or, I mean, it's, uh, you know. Uh, or both of yeah, those well, <laughs> Who yeah, could he or, be talking about? <laughs> but you do. Yes. You give a shit. You're invested. <laughs> just for the small time we've been with them. I want to know what's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. What are they going to go do? But that night. Tess is woken up by the sound of the door to the bedroom creaking. There's a strange hissing sound. And when Tess sits up in her bed, the door is open. When she leans over to look into the living room, she can see that Keith is still on the couch. He is in a fitful sleep, clearly in the grip of a nightmare. She creeps into the room, calling his name softly, and Keith begins to cry out in his sleep. She continues to the couch, gently trying to wake him, but we see the door at the end of the hallway behind her quietly close. That I didn't catch the first I time. I don't think yeah, I did either. either. And yeah. so seeing it, I was like, oh. I don't think I did either. We're planting. Yeah. You know? One thing I will say, though, the first time I watched this, whenever this scene started playing out, having known nothing about the film, yeah. mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be supernatural from here. I can totally oh, yeah, see yeah. that. Okay. And yeah. so this just keeps you guessing. Yeah. But when she's close enough, Tess reaches out to Keith, who is still panting and whimpering. She nudges him, but he continues to sleep. When she touches him again, he wakes up screaming. 
They're both frightened, and he angrily asks her, what the fuck? I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. He clearly didn't do it. Yeah. He's well, asleep. Yeah. He's having a nightmare. I mean, and to be woken up like that is kind yeah, of scary. But I was like, you were so nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Who knows what he was just seeing? Yeah. That's was, true. It could have been seven, eight kids kicking his ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taunting him. Right, yeah. He turned into a fried egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing is his comments about, oh, I can sleep on anything. And then him having what seemed to be a very horrific nightmare. Yeah. I wonder what Keith has been through or what his story is. Yeah. You know, I, I maybe we'll get to explore that. Hmm. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but he asks what she's doing and she rambles an apology. She explains that her door was open and he was making noise. Keith is just confused and says that she scared him. She asks if he opened her door and he tells her no. <laughs> Angrily and emphatically. He was busy. Yeah. yeah I, you just fucking woke me up. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if I were her, she knows how she went to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Who if 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 it's not him, then who, who the else? fuck? Exactly. Yeah. And that's even scarier. Yeah. Tess goes back to the bedroom, double checking the lock before settling back into bed. In a split second, it's the morning and the sun is shining through the window. That is a great edit. Yeah. It really is because that it'd be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to call out um, director of photography was Zach Cooperstein. Um, he has worked on a lot of short films, but some of his films that he he was additional photography on The Night House. Oh, that's which a was beautiful film. Very, yeah. very well shot. All right. Uh, he was also... You've seen it? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to tell me later. Okay. The na- it's always yeah. it, it, like I tell her uh, with like uh, actors and actresses. Just tell me the characters. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, there's too many names. It's, and well, it's, especially it's, the way we do this. Yeah, yeah. And then people come and go and then there's always new faces. And it's like, I'm uh, <laughs> who was it? Right? Just like, oh, OK. Sure. <laughs> uh, I also saw that he was the cinematographer on the eyes of my mother. That film is wild. I have not seen it. Yeah. But Friend I've of the heard. show, Sandra Escalada made me watch it and it's fucking wild. I'll just say that. I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, I, there could have been plenty of times that I could have given his little cinematographer introduction because mm-hmm. throughout this entire film, I'm just impressed by his oh, work. Yes. He had said that Kreger had put together a book of cinematography, I guess, influences the directions he wanted to head in. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to give too much away, hmm. but I'll say that the night scene that we just saw on this level of this house mm-hmm. was inspired by David Fincher. And when you think uh, of Gone Girl, uh, okay, the okay. colors, yeah. like a lot of it feels of that world. Yeah, yeah. And you already said Drag Me to Hell earlier, so I'll just say Sam Raimi is the other for well. the other thing. We love Sam. We love Sam. Yeah. We do. Uh, first name basis, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing, though, that I can't explain now, but I will say now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I you, guess Jake. I'm doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really should. Right. No, I won't. Right. I'm going to say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said that for one section of the film, the influence was Pleasantville. Yes, 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 yes. No, I can I can absolutely see that. Yeah, so genius. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. But the match cuts, the fucking camera movement, this is great work. It really is. 
And and you know what? You saying that and thinking about it, that is something about this movie that I will give it credit for. Yeah. The whole movie, I was engaged yeah i was paying attention the like the scenes nothing felt i'm not gonna say nothing felt weird but like everything looked fine yes. yeah like everything flowed great together every i was i that i i will okay so that guy <laughs> i like his work then what's happening here yes. i enjoy it very good <laughs> But Tess wakes up and checks her phone and is clearly late. She goes out of the bedroom and before going to the bathroom, she calls out to Keith, but he's not there. She gets dressed and finds a note on the coffee table. Hey, I had to run, but please leave the key in the lockbox and I'll see you this evening. Break a leg today. K. P.S. Had a great night last night. I was like, he told her break a leg. Like yeah. it was just the perfect little note. I gotta tell you, after that wake up, I was really worried for their chances. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was really the what the fuck yeah. for me. Yeah. But, There's a note and it just says fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Find somewhere else to see. Yeah. <laughs> so seeing that, I was like, all right, they still. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. But Tess smiles at the note. She leaves the lock in the lockbox, like Keith asked. But when she turns around to walk to her car, we see that the street looks very different in the light of day. And I'm like, okay, I understand why Keith did not want her waiting outside. Yeah. Every house, besides the one that she's staying in, looks completely abandoned. The houses are run down, most of them with broken and abandoned cars parked outside of them. She gets into her car and drives out of the neighborhood, every single house dilapidated. So this film was shot mostly in Bulgaria. Okay. And so a lot of houses in certain shots, and I think it might be later, are facades that are really just kind of the shells of the houses. Yeah. And then they have the real house that they, and then they have a soundstage. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Right. But um, they did film some of this film. I saw Zach Kreger confirm it. They did in Brightmore in Detroit. Oh, wow. And... I feel like I, I'm not 100% sure of his intention of using Brightmore. I do know that Brightmore, as a neighborhood, mm -hmm. has kind of a sad story around it oh. with um, getting hit economically in the 70s, yeah. um, different factors that contribute to economic woes. I think they said from 1970 until present day, the neighborhood lost 70% of the population. Fuck. Just moved out. And so there are a lot of abandoned houses in that area. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, there are so many nuances of different ideas because mm -hmm. you do have this neighborhood, but one very, very nice house just sitting there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're like, so are we talking, you know, Airbnb uh, fucking up places? Are we talking about gentrification? Right. You know, there's a lot of... Well, and what Keith is here to do. Yeah, that's too. exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know? is, it, is it, quote, beautifying, unquote? Right. Neighborhoods? What's the... Yeah. The But it's never anything that's, like, shoved in your face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like I had said earlier about their dynamics kind of under the surface, mm -hmm. leaving you to kind of come up with conclusions of what he could have meant by this. Right. But it does come up quite a bit. And then there's something later where they really reference it. Yeah. So it's like, huh. Yeah. What are you trying to say? Yeah. I thought it was funny. Be I mean, that's not funny, but no. what I'm about to say is okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was to me. I saw an interview where Zach Craig had said, like you said about um, them having to build 
kind of the shells of those houses. Yeah. And that, I think it's like 13 houses that they built. Mm-hmm. And this was just a field. Yeah. And so it was a field with like a, I think he said a, like a factory or something across the street. And so they built those houses, but the houses directly across the street are up against that factory, like mm-hmm. the gray wall of a factory. Oh. Yeah. And so they added like the shrubbery and stuff. And he was like, this looks like shit. He was like, clearly there's a fucking factory behind those houses. That's it. The whole movie's ruined. Everybody's going to be talking about how shitty that looks. He was like, and nobody's ever said anything. <laughs> and uh, you don't see it. Like, I didn't look for it. That yeah, he was at completely all. panicked over that there was a wall behind those houses. And I was like, it's so not noticeable. No. Like, is he us? Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I was like, man, if that's not a lesson to just chill yeah, out on, yeah. some, on some things. Yeah. But Tess arrives in the city and goes into her interview at a coffee shop. While she waits, she scrolls through her phone and notices the picture of Keith's ID that she took. Zooming in on his face, she smiles. <laughs> I thought this was adorable. Yeah. It made me laugh that she's just drooling over the photo and they're like, you're ready. He's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm here for a reason. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> but Catherine James, played by Kate Nichols, interrupts the moment, calling Tess's name. Tess gets up immediately, eagerly introducing herself. The two sit down and through the window, we see but do not hear what seems to be an engaging conversation. The two exit the building together and Catherine asks where Tess is staying. She says that she's staying at an Airbnb in Brightmore and Catherine is taken aback. She laughs, asking if Tess is kidding. Tess admits that the area is a little rough, but Catherine interrupts her, saying that she shouldn't be there. Locals. Yeah, that would scare the shit out of me. That would, yeah. I, I would call somebody immediately yeah. yeah. after this is done. Oh, thanks. You know, whatever. And then I, I need to know what's happening. <laughs> well, in all honesty, I mean, when you think about it, you've had the night to sleep on this confusion over the Airbnb. Yeah. Let's fucking figure out what the fuck happened. Yeah. yeah. Because that shouldn't happen. No. And it, <laughs> but all that happened was she's like, you know, Keith's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not so bad. I think I might have a crush on that dude. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can like, no, we can still both stay there. But the neighborhood, I need to know what, who knows we're here, what's going on. You know what I mean? They they seem to be the only people, period. Yes, yes. But Tess rambles, saying that even though the neighborhood is rough, it's a cute little house. Because of the convention, she couldn't find anywhere else. And now she has a roommate, which makes things a little complicated. She's like a roommate at an Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you the talking? Fuck are you talking? <laughs> like, she's like, no, it's really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time she speaks, Catherine stares at her uneasily. She finally concedes and tells Tess to just be careful. Seriously. Tess assures her that she's tough, and the two part ways happily. Catherine promising to see her tomorrow and that it's going to be great. On her way back to the house, Tess looks fearfully at the abandoned houses that she passes. She finally pulls up at 476 Barbary. Once out of her car, she looks up and down the street before grabbing her purse and walking up to the porch. From down the street, a man calls out to her. He begins running toward her. Terrified, Tess runs up to the porch, punches in the code for the lockbox, grabs the key, and opens the door. In the time it took to do all this, she barely has time to slam the door in the man's face. Once she does, he yells at her to come out of the house. I, 
I'm sorry, and I've I've said this in other movies. I had to take a point for this. Really? Oh yeah. Don't just oh. scream at me while I'm Yeah. Again. Be careful, don't go in there. No, 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 no. You don't want to be in there. Hey, what are you doing? Let me help you. No, 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 no. You're <laughs> there's why someone the, in yeah. the back. See? I don't understand <laughs> why why this is here. It's it's all about the delivery. And yeah, we talk about that a lot. That's the thing is you're exactly right because the thing is is if he were to say what we want him to say. Right. Movie's over. Movie's over. <laughs> yeah. But that shouldn't be the reason yeah. that he said it. I'll exactly. give you that. I will give you that. And I of course didn't catch it until this time. Yeah. The first time I'm like, "Get in the house." <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shit. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. run, test no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right hurry hurry yeah <laughs> Ooh, okay she's yeah. safe. all right we can breathe easy yeah but yeah i totally i get that that's fair i mean we look we say our at least i do for other movies that one it's just it please don't introduce somebody for no reason yet you know what i mean mm-hmm. if it's gonna happen please make it at least an interesting way or something that isn't just I need to be here at this point in time because I need to be here. Mm-hmm. That's that's all that happened here. <laughs> and that then was he's it. Gone. Yeah, and then that's it. Like, well, right. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck that you then. <laughs> like true. I can still hear you through the door. Yeah. <laughs> say what you need to say. Everything that you know. Yeah. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Say everything. Yeah. But Tess calls the police. She checks the windows and can't see the man anymore, but pleads with the dispatcher to just send someone. The dispatcher coldly tells her that they don't have any units available. Tess starts to pack up her things, but when she catches herself in the mirror, she tries to breathe and calm herself down. She sits down to use the toilet, but when she finds no toilet paper, she goes searching for some. That's when she notices the door at the end of the hall. It leads down into the basement, and when she flicks on the light, she sees a huge thing of toilet paper sitting on top of a dryer. She hurries downstairs and snatches a roll, but as she makes her way back up, the door quietly closes. When she tries the knob, it won't open. This honestly is kind of a fear of mine. Yeah. Being locked in a... Yeah, that's anywhere. scary as... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. In a, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Unsure of what to do next, Tess sits on the stairs. This is when she realizes that she doesn't have her phone. It's sitting on the dresser in the bedroom. The key is no longer in the lockbox. She left it open and empty in her desperation to flee from the man on the street. She finds the key in her pocket, useless to Keith when he returns. This kind of like, I love how this was revealed Mm -hmm. because... Do you remember that episode of The Simpsons when Bart doesn't have his permission slip and then he remembers it on, on his bed? bed? Every time I forget something, I'm like, ah, oh, and I can see it like on my dresser or whatever. Uh, this yes. is like that. <laughs> she stands on a bucket and looks out of the basement window onto the street. She searches the basement, looking around in boxes until she notes a rope sticking out of a hole in the wall. Curious, she pulls on the rope and is awed when it opens a secret door. She stands in front of the door and stares into the darkness inside. It seems to stare back at her as suspenseful music mounts. But the music ends when Tess sums it all up in one word. Nope. You love to see it. Absolutely. I was like, thank you. Yeah. It's like, I knew I loved you (laughs) from the beginning. I will say, though, the second that she pulled the rope and the door opened... I was like, oh, this is why everyone said, don't read anything about it. Don't look into anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we're about to see some freaky shit. Yeah. 
I'm I, I I'm torn. I close the door and put something. I was like, honestly, I yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. no. I don't need yeah. to see anything in there. Nope. I've lived 31 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting till Keith's cute ass comes back. <laughs> All right, we're gonna open this window and, and just, then you're gonna get me and out. Then we're yeah. leaving. Yeah, Absolutely. we're leaving. The convention's probably over. We can get out. Yeah. yeah, we'll get a room somewhere. <laughs> Maybe we'll share a room. Yeah, we'll, hey. see, we'll see what happens. Hey. But we cut to her sitting on the stairs, the secret door left open and unexplored. But when she notices a large mirror propped up against the wall, she pulls it into the center of the room, using the light from the bulb and the ceiling to make a flashlight to look into the darkness beyond the door. Clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never. Very yeah. smart. No, I'm shivering on the stairs <laughs> until Keith comes home. Yeah. I, dude, Stoop Kid's afraid to leave a stoop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no fucking way am I moving off that thing. <laughs> you can put me in the newspaper. <laughs> I don't give I a fuck. I do not care. <laughs> But we see very little from the light, aside from a long hallway with the door at the end of it. Tess sets the mirror down and hesitates at the entrance of the door. The music begins again and she heads inside. From the basement, we see her disappear into the darkness. Just more on these shots in this film. Mm -hmm. The way that it presses in, Mm -hmm. pulls back. It's just very good. It really is. Very good filmmaking. Inside, she creeps quietly and slowly toward that doorknob exposed by the light in the mirror at the end of the hall. When she reaches it, Tess pushes the door open and turns on the light. Inside is a small room. A bare, dirty mattress sits atop a small metal bed frame. A camera sits on a tripod aimed at the bed. Tess stares at the contents of the room, noticing a filthy bucket at the foot of the bed. It got increasingly worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. It. I was very worried when you see the bed, you see the camera, but the addition of the bucket, I believe. Yeah. The bucket really sets it over the top. Nothing good really happens here. Yeah. <laughs> it really ties the room together. Yeah, this is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. But horrified, Tess steps into the room and notices half of a bloody handprint on the dirty wall. She hauls ass back into the basement. She's startled when she hears a knock on the front door and rushes to the window, banging on the glass to get Keith's attention. He laughs, asking what's going on, and she tearfully tells him that she's stuck down here. She has the key, but she can't open the window. Keith pushes on the window while Tess pulls, and they're finally able to get it open so that she can pass him the key. Keith opens the door to the basement, freeing Tess. As soon as she steps out, she tells him that they need to go. She says that there's a hidden room in the basement and that something very bad is going on here. Keith just tries to get her to calm down. He assures her that she is safe and okay, and she says that she doesn't think that she is, but she stops to catch her breath. She explains to him that she found a dungeon down there. But when she describes it as a room with a bed, a camera and a bucket, Keith just wants to go see for himself. The first time I saw this, I thought in my head, I was like, you know, Tess is very frantic because of what she just saw. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you really just tell, like, explain to him. Yeah. What? Like the not not that there's this big, you know, the basement's big. And I saw three things. down there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, tell him. 
that this is <laughs> in proximity because he's like, see, yeah, it's a basement. You know, shit's all the, yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, no, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But again, this goes back to what she said earlier. Women have to be careful and a man can just be like, I want to fucking the uh, room with a bed and a bucket. I got to see this. Well, first of all, that's not that entertaining. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> just, you, can, you can buy a bucket and a bed like anytime. Just go. <laughs> it's yeah. not that entertaining. Yeah, we'll bring a bucket to the hotel that we're going to be staying at from now on. <laughs> I don't know. Me, if if somebody told me that, no, we, we gotta go. Period. Yeah. Look, oh no, I don't. I, we, you can explain in the car. Yeah. I don't even need to know right now I, why we need to go. My curiosity would be there. It's there. But again, there's not a enough room. Oh, so this isn't in the basement. You know what? <laughs> I it, it's the bucket for me. It's like <laughs> Oh, a bucket, you yeah, said. Right. <laughs> the but, no. no, we're good. Right. We're good. You just started with the bu- no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> Let's go. I'm already calling the Marriott or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she is frantic, begging him not to go and telling him about the handprint on the wall. He just tries to rationalize that a basement is just a room filled with junk and what she described doesn't sound that weird. See, that's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tess gives up, saying that he can go look if he wants to, but she's leaving. She grabs her bags out of the bedroom, but he stops her. He pleads for just 20 seconds. He apologizes for not taking what she saw seriously, but he didn't see it himself. I appreciate his qualifier. That he's not just like, I don't believe you. He's like, look, I didn't see it. I want to see it for myself. Now, I don't agree with it. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> But I I respect him being honest. Right. No, I, and I, I get that. But Tess has given me no reason to not believe her. Absolutely no. not. And she seems pretty shooken up. Yes. So we can talk in the car, mm-hmm. whatever. And then. And also, he arrived here. Where's his car? Unless he's taking like Ubers. Ubers. I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) He refuses to run off panicking because there's a room in the basement with a bed and a bucket. And again, you're really trivializing this bed and bucket. (laughs) But she also said there was a bloody handprint on the wall. Well, that hurts his story if he. I mean, references that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She just pushes past him to the front door. He stops her again, apologizing. So she stops. He says that he just wants to see the room. <laughs> He's like, I'm a curious cat. <laughs> she makes it clear that she's not going back downstairs and he's fine with that. He asks that she just wait for him here in case he gets locked in the basement too. I was like, God damn it. Yeah, that's fair. She reluctantly agrees to this and he tells her that he'll be back in 30 seconds. He leaves. I will say the second that he disappeared beyond the door frame, mm-hmm. I was like, and we never saw Keith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, the fact that he is so unwilling to hear what she's saying mm-hmm. yeah. when what she's saying is horrifying. I'm like, he's trying to lure her into the basement. There, there comes a moment soon that I'm like, is he in on it? Yeah. Yeah. I he switches. I was believing in him and you know really hoping for their love story. And then <laughs> now I don't know, Keith. Yeah, now I'm a little uh, skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> but Tess drops her bags back off in the room and stands in the doorway to the basement. She calls down to him, asking if he sees it. He calls back that he does, and she's like, "Okay, come back up." But he doesn't reply. She goes halfway down the stairs and peers into the secret hallway. She calls out to Keith again, and again, he doesn't answer. 
The door starts to creak closed, but Tess runs back up and catches it before it can lock them in again. She drops her keys on the kitchen table and grabs a chair from the dining room. She props the door open with the chair and rushes back downstairs. Tess stands in front of the secret door and yells Keith's name again. We see the light on in the room at the end of the hall, but we don't see Keith. And again, he doesn't reply. Tess takes out the flashlight on her phone and shines it in front of her as she walks back down the hallway toward the room. She steps inside the room, even checks under the bed, but Keith isn't there. I don't know why, but going back into the room and seeing that the light was still functioning, mm-hmm. that concerned me even more. Yeah. Because yeah. if this is some old shit, then the light yeah. wouldn't be working anymore. Yeah. So what's Keith doing down here? <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you, yeah. Keith. <laughs> She steps back into the hallway, looking toward the main room of the basement. But when she turns around, there's another door behind her with what seems to be lines etched into the door frame. Yeah. She opens it and finds another set of stairs going lower than the basement. Now, I know we shared this wonderful night. Um, <laughs> I don't really nice know guy. you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're funny. You got a career, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll go get help. <laughs> I'll be back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't know. both need to go down there. If you're down there, I don't right. know. But you're not answering me and you didn't come up the way that you went down. So And I'll leave the chair on the door. <laughs> no, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, not yeah. going to get locked open. in. Yeah, I'll yeah. leave the light on. <laughs> I'll be back. Like, uh, <laughs> I think my thing is like his audacity to not this fucking carved into the igneous rock bullshit. Yes. And he didn't He's warn like, her. Oh, I'm going yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I found a cave. I'm going to go into <laughs> He how hard is that? I just yeah. did it on the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to quietly wander down. <laughs> yeah, that's unbelievable. Nearly overcome with fear now, Tess stands at the top of the stairs and screams Keith's name. Keith's voice comes back weak and far away calling her name and asking for help she begs him to come back up but he only calls back please <laughs> i'll send help yes but right? again oh, you're, you're just... saying for me to go get help yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad. Bad, I can yeah. Do yeah. Say less. you got it boss yeah. <laughs> Tess looks back at the main room of the basement, the mirror light shining back at her before turning around and following the light of her phone deeper into the darkness below. So I wanted to call out the production designer. Mm-hmm. There's a woman called Rositsa Bakeva. Okay. And she had Skype calls. Excuse me. Let me get the... It was Zoom. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Disrespectful. Um, of course, <laughs> um, neither of them are paying us. So right? Right? <laughs> Yet? Um, oh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. Right? Um, it was Zoom calls. Right. Because Gregor wasn't going to go to Bulgaria just to hash out the details of all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they called and they had their discussions. And... By the time they got there, Bakeva had gotten all of these sets built on a soundstage. The interior of the house, the lower floor, and every single bit of this cave is expansive as it seems. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. They because they were asking him, they're like, Well, how much is like reuse almost like we talked about on 13 Ghosts? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, how much is reused? Like, no, this is legit. This is what it is. 
Damn. That's wild. And the 13 facade houses and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, remarkable. Hell, yeah. That's really just going the extra mile. Yeah. Because yeah. these caves, there comes a point... <laughs> Um, they reach an object that honestly is the scariest thing I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> in my life. And it's just, it's, it's a, it looks like an elevator. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that if I made a movie and like hell was in it, that would be the way to get there. <laughs> Those old ass elevator doors yeah. are fucking frightening <laughs> that like are accordion up. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. No, thank you. Great work, but holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sobbing, Tess calls out to Keith again, but he doesn't answer. Once she reaches the bottom, she finds a gate pulled open. There we go. <laughs> there, yeah. there you go, dude. And so this, at this point, I thought they were in hell. Okay. Oh. Okay. I, I thought he was luring her into a trap. In oh, the no, basement. I think he's the devil. <laughs> oh, he's the devil. <laughs> he's the barbarian devil. Exactly. Got it, got it. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned that because I... That was something that caught my eye as well. And I was like, how old is this? Yeah. And why is that there? Yes. No, clo again, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll send help. I love you. I'll, 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 I'll close, always love I'll you. close the door <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure you can. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody gets in. Exactly. Yes. You know what I mean? I know you can't get out, but, but I'm sending help. It's also. So yeah, we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> She pushes it open the rest of the way and walks through it. Keith still calling out to her. Tess is horrified when she finds an alcove with three cages inside. She shines her light into one of them and sees a food bowl for a pet. Tess is fully crying now, but she keeps going. She screams Keith's name as she wanders down the dark corridors. Finally, her light hits Keith. He looks dirty and like traumatized and is crawling toward her on his hands and knees. So that shot was very frightening. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> I thought again, I was like, maybe it is still supernatural. And he was going to say he's been crawling for like a year or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's what he was going to say. Like, oh. I've been down here for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Because they've stumbled in hell. Yeah. <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> and I guess he's not the devil in this, <laughs> in this scenario. But... <laughs> She goes down to his level on the floor and yells at him, asking why he would come down here, which I think is what we're all asking Keith right now. Yes. His eyes wide. Keith just quietly tells her that there is someone else down here. When she continues to talk over him, he grabs her and says it again. He says that someone bit him. That's all I need to hear. Yeah. I mean... And honestly, do we got to be screaming? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you listening to me at all? Yeah. <laughs> they got teeth and they got ears, dude. We, yeah. we can't we can't be doing this. It's like, was the bucket no. worth it, Keith? Was the bed the bucket worth it? <laughs> she says that they need to go now and tries to pull him toward the way she came. But he refuses, saying that that's where they are. She begs him, saying that that's the way out. He is intense, telling her that they have to go the way that he just came from. He raises his voice, yelling that he's not going back there. They continue to struggle until something comes running and screaming out of the darkness. It immediately grabs Keith by his head and slams it against the wall of the tunnel. Tess watches as Keith's head is bashed again and again until it is nothing but a ruined mess. Once Keith is undeniably dead, he is tossed to the side. Tess looks up at his murderer. It is a naked woman, stringy black hair hanging from her head, her face strange. 
This is the mother, played by Matthew Patrick Davis. She screams in Tessa's face, and it cuts to black. So... That was a lot, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you nothing could have shocked me more. No. And that's what he said when he was writing it. He was like, okay, like we all know what happens at this point in the story. He's like, unless a giant naked woman runs up and kills Keith. And then he goes with it. Yeah. I was like, bold. where does that come from? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? I will say I'm, I was very sad to see Keith killed yeah devastated yeah and even then though again, i had my doubts yeah <laughs> no it was a lot of back and forth but knowing yeah that, that he, it's you know yeah it wasn't him no he's not the barbarian <laughs> <laughs> and when john paul had said that watching it for the second time or like any time after the first time you're like he just had all of this nervous energy yeah there was nothing dark there was not he was nervous it was a weird situation you just woke him up it's the middle of the night it just really makes me fucking sad no, and it yeah. makes me like i felt so guilty <laughs> for being so suspicious it's yeah and i feel i do feel bad i apologize to keith i'm sorry keith his family <laughs> <laughs> and especially tess yeah yes um i did want to say that he had said, Kreger, um, on the Boo Crew interview, mm -hmm. he had said that um, they had actually filmed a more gruesome version of Keith's death. Oh, wow. And they decided to not use it. But I did notice after he said it and I watched it again, you do see remnants of that when his body is tossed away. Oh, all right. Because what happened was the mother rips the bottom jaw off and shoves it into his eyeballs. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's just insult injury. Yeah. But Holy you, shit. you do see that when he falls down, he does not have a bottom jaw. But oh, it's so right. split second. You yeah. have to know well, you're looking for Well, and even the yeah. way that she was bashing his head, it could have happened. Yeah, just from that. that way. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be all out like that. Um, one thing I did want to say as well about the mother is I read an interview with Davis, the actor who played the mother, mm -hmm. and he had said that whenever he had gotten the call to get the part, they didn't even have the mother designed yet. And so he's on a plane to Bulgaria while they're designing wow. it. Wow. <laughs> and they had said, Kreger said in the first iteration of it, it was not scary at all. And so they went back to the drawing board for a week and they came up with what we see in the film. Okay. He also said that he contacted Doug Jones wow, and Javier Botet. Wow. <laughs> but they were both too busy. Yeah, yeah. But they did get offered this part, but they couldn't take it. Okay, all right. Well, he did a yeah. great job. Oh, yeah, Davis, this is really yeah. good. Oh, yeah. So diving back in, once again, to set the scene, Keith was just brutally murdered, and the mother screams in Tess's face, and it cuts to black. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. We come up on a bright, beautiful shot of the ocean as Ricky Ticky Tavi by Donovan plays. <laughs> I was like, what? what the fuck just happened? I, there is no predicting. No. no. <laughs> and you're in the, these caves and they're so dark and they're scary. And this is just the brightest, most beautiful. I'm like, what is going on? And one of the catchiest goddamn songs you've ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But speeding down the highway in his red convertible, singing along with the music, is A.J. Gilbride, played by Justin Long. We love Justin Long in this house. Absolutely. He is tearing it up and having the time of his life until his phone rings. He answers it and is happy to hear from his assistant, played by Sarah Paxton. He introduces Melissa and David, played by Kate 
Bosworth and Zach Kreger, and he seems thrilled to hear from them. I was very surprised. And this isn't the first time, the, or this isn't the last time that Sarah Paxton and Zach Kreger pop up. And yeah, they're they're married. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was very cool <laughs> because right. yeah. she provides three different voices in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. And Kate Bosworth, so random. Yes. Yeah. I also wanted to call out the filming location before we get into what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is filmed on the Pacific Coast Highway, which if you recall, The Love Witch. Oh, oh right, it was beautiful right. then too. Yeah. God damn. I say the love witch because we've covered it, but there have been like five hundred fucking things. Well, why yeah. would why would <laughs> you not use this? Yeah. It's it's gorgeous. It's very nice. I also want to say, because I remembered um whenever the trailer debuted online, mm-hmm. it was it just said Justin Long's new movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and I clicked on it and I was like, what the hell? And you watch it and it starts with this, so you're like, oh, it's it's a comedy. Yeah. And then Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. But they I guess didn't put on there that it was barbarian because even the trailer was supposed to be a shocking thing. I love that. Uh, all right, all right. But the way that the film starts, I forgot that I'd even seen that. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, oh shit, yeah, Justin Long is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. But David gets right down to business, saying that they need to discuss something that just came through. Melissa says that there's been a troubling development. Someone named Megan Maddox has contacted the network through her lawyer and made a very serious accusation against AJ. AJ's mood shifts and he asks what she said. Melissa continues that Megan Maddox claims that AJ was sexually aggressive when they filmed the pilot of a TV show together, and she now refuses to move forward if he stays involved with the project. AJ is dumbstruck. Melissa says that the network is taking the accusation very seriously, and now there's going to be an investigation. AJ asks about the state of the pilot. Is it not picked up anymore? Melissa only offers that they won't know how they're moving forward until after the investigation. David cuts in that the most likely outcome is that even if the show does move forward, AJ will no longer be involved. AJ is in disbelief that he'll be fired, but David asserts that this is the most likely outcome. AJ's reaction is that fucking bitch. I look whenever Justin Long pops up. Yeah. He's singing Ricky Ticky Tavi. <laughs> With <laughs> not a care in the world. Not yeah. a care in the world. I was like, we all love Justin Long. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen him play a character like this. Never. No. I, I have never. Whenever. And I think that that, that is a, a kind of a strength of the film to use Justin Long's likability. Yeah. Because then once we discover this man. Yeah. It's fucking. It's unbelievable. I think there's a brilliance to that because. We see Bill Skarsgård and we're like, scary monster. Yeah. <laughs> we see Justin Long and we're like, I, I, everyone loves Justin Long. He's so fucking likable. He's funny. And both of these, they're just turned on their heads. Yeah. Like it's yeah. almost like our like predisposition toward them is used against us. And it's <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, really yeah. effective <laughs> yeah. in both on both counts. Yeah, and as this develops, I can't say until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. But Kreger did give a reason why this was the direction this character took. Okay, okay, I did uh, see in an interview, or I I think I read in an article that he had offered AJ to Zac Efron. Hmm. He wanted him to be like like a muscular like jock dude. 
and Zac Efron said no and that made him rethink really who AJ is and I think him being like the a Justin Long I think is it, he's perfect yeah he's so perfect for it yeah because I yeah I, I think he, that's <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think if uh, I don't think Zac Efron no 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 nah. But AJ tries to explain that all of this was blown out of proportion. But Melissa advises him to not go into detail on this call. AJ's disbelief turns to anger as he says that he was the first person attached to this. Megan Maddox came on after him. In fact, he recommended her. David tries to get him to calm down. But Melissa insists that they tell him the other thing. David's like, no, he's not ready for that. Uh. But AJ demands to know. Melissa says that there's going to be a story in the Hollywood Reporter about the whole situation. She stresses again that these allegations are very serious. And these allegations are very serious. So, you know, a warning here because this takes a surprising turn. Yes. And I am going to use the word that was used. So a, you know, warning here because I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. But AJ asks if the allegation is that he raped her. David again tries to calm him down, but Melissa tells him that, yes, that is the allegation. AJ is rendered speechless. He gets off the phone and pulls the car over, staring blankly out toward the ocean. From the way that the film started. Yeah. This is like the last... I I could not have been more shocked at the direction this film no, is taking. You're, yeah. You're caught off guard by I feel like we're like 40 minutes in at this point. Yes. You're caught off guard by what you've seen so far. You're caught off guard by how bright and happy everything is now. You're caught off guard by the fact that it's Justin Long. Mm-hmm. Like not like you're compl- the rug is pulled out. And the difficulty JP and I were talking earlier is Justin Long is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And then we have to go through the rest of this film being like, oh, that was really funny. Oh, no, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, you're you're disgusting. You're checking yourself every time because it's like, God damn, this dude fucking sucks. Yeah. But I think that you're, this film challenges you in so many ways. And I think that that's one of them. Fair. I mean, we can get more into it in a little bit. And, and, And to this whole point, I will talk about it later when we get into final thoughts and all that. Okay. But... The direction that this character takes or like throughout the rest of the movie, I have thoughts. Okay. And uh, like I said, once we get to the very end, then I'll say those. But yeah, I was like, what the fuck, dude? What What's happening? Because mm-hmm. this is serious shit. That's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we cut to an office where AJ's financial advisor, Jeff, played by J.R. Esposito, looks over his finances. He says that they can go forward assuming that AJ has no more income for the year. He asks about the legal fees and AJ says that there are two cases, the defense against his charges, which he adamantly says are not true, and the countersuit that he's filing for defamation, which he adamantly says that he's going to win. He chimes in and says that he's going to ruin the fucking bitch, but Jeff is like, I just want to know about the legal fees. It's like, you're doing a lot right now. Yeah. AJ finally says that it'll be about $140,000, $70,000 for each case. Jeff adds that in and says that with AJ's current rate of spending, he will be out of money in three months. Jeff says that AJ has a little bit of money from the properties he owns in Michigan, but his current mortgage is killing him. AJ is not happy about the news that he may have to sell his house, but Jeff says that he needs to make some tough decisions now. 
AJ offers that he could sell some of his properties in Michigan, but Jeff reminds him that only some of them make money and it will only buy him a couple months. AJ is in shock, but Jeff hits him with another bomb. He says that at the end of the week, he's giving him his files back and suggesting that he find someone else to manage his finances. AJ can do nothing but laugh at the fact that Jeff is dropping him too. I laughed really hard because he goes, and I'm going to be giving you your files back. He goes, cool. What's that mean? (laughs) (laughs) You're done. It's not good good news. (laughs) I think you know. (laughs) But as he walks through the airport and is Joe Goldberg disguised, a baseball hat. (laughs) So not a disguise. (laughs) AJ reads the headline for the story in The Hollywood Reporter, written by Kim Masters, Mm -hmm. who is a real, you know, writer for oh, the sure. hollywood reporter yeah i was like damn they really okay. <laughs> y'all really did this but the headline aj gilbride accused of sexual misconduct chip off the block pilot not moving forward and there's a picture of his smiling face underneath it what's funny is you know that he's playing a character called Named chip, chip. <laughs> <laughs> you know he is <laughs> you know he is that's the cheesiest shit yeah in the- the fucking world that is absolutely the name of a sitcom yeah (laughs) that was that was great but he pulls his hat down further and walks away later aj makes a phone call to his lawyer robert played by will greenberg as he gets into his rental car he says that he thinks if he could just talk to megan all of this would be resolved Robert sternly tells him to not contact her he says that contacting her at this point will only make things worse for him He then realizes that AJ said he was getting into a rental and asks where he is. AJ tells him that he's in Detroit and Robert reminds him that he wasn't supposed to leave the state. AJ laughs this off, but Robert tells him he needs to be around in case there are developments. AJ's like, do you think I'm going to be arrested? And Robert says that that's a distinct possibility and that taking off to another state is not a good look. It really does look terrible. This is like the Bronco chase. Yeah, yeah, and the, the fact that you're like, you think I could be arrested? Like, what do you think? Like, yeah, no shit. I swear to God. Zach Kreger had said that in the first act, he we're following a woman who is has hyper self awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, aware of everything. The tea. I mean, you. We watched her. Now we're following a man who has none. Yeah. Like this dude cannot see himself. He doesn't. I mean, it's and it it only gets worse. I cannot stress that enough. Oh, yeah. AJ says that unless Robert is going to represent him for free, he needs money. He's not in Detroit to run away or take a vacation. He's liquidating. He starts his car and drives off with his hat on. AJ arrives at a real estate office. He tells the property management assistant behind the counter, played by Davina Vasileva, that he's an owner and needs his keys. When asked, he gives his name. The assistant says that Bonnie told her that he'd be coming by and confirms with him the address. 476 Barbary. There we have it. So we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm like, oh, so you own the house with the hidden basement room. Yes. Great. I'm yeah, like, fuck. Like, no. That tracks. Yeah. 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 I will say the second that they said Michigan in the other office, yeah. I was like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Did you catch the, there was like, it's a barely, but it is. It was a stairhole shot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll count it. We'll count it. Yeah, well, it was on the line, but we'll. 
We immediately cut to the inside of Tessa's vehicle. We look through her windshield past the snake hanging from the mirror as a vehicle backs up and parks in front of hers. Craiger said in an interview that that snake uh, ornament, I guess you call it. Yeah. Sure. Um, that was the only thing that he wanted to take from the production whenever they wrapped and somebody else took it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because the part of Ricky Ticky Tavi that oh, he's singing yeah. is saying that when he was younger, he thought there were organizations to kill the snakes. But when he got a little older, he learned he had to kill them himself. I.e. the government. I, yeah, I, the school. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And yeah. the snake, you know, being like a visual representation on top of him arriving i just i was like i don't feel like that is such a random ass song i don't feel like y'all used it for no reason <laughs> oh no it wasn't just for fun <laughs> but it was fun it was very fun <laughs> but yeah that actually makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah aj gets out of the rental with his bags looking suspiciously at tess's vehicle he looks inside the window but it's empty inside and he walks up to the front door I'm loving the blue hues of dusk. That was hard to say. <laughs> blue, blue hues. Blue yeah. hues. <laughs> um, but the way they beam through the window, it's just very nice. Yeah. Yeah. He lets himself in with the keys, but when he turns the lights on, he sees the door to the basement is still open with the dining room chair holding it that way. He angrily closes the door and puts the chair back. I would have had a bigger reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of frightening. Yeah. As he pees in the bathroom, he sees Keith's toiletry bag still on the sink. He looks into the bedroom where Tessa's bags still are. He also saw the the toothbrush on the floor. He did. (laughs) He He calls out hello, but no one answers him. He calls Bonnie and asks if someone is staying in the house. She says she doesn't think so, but he says that people clearly are. Bonnie says that it's been a couple weeks since they rented the house, but AJ wants to know when. I was like, a couple weeks? Yeah, Yeah, that caught me off guard. Yeah. He wonders if he has squatters and is in disbelief that no one has come by, not even a maid to clean up. Bonnie says that the maids don't come until before new renters show up. If no one rents, then no one comes. AJ asks what happens if someone trashed the place before they left then. How would he know? Bonnie only asks if the place is trash. And he's like, that's not the point. (laughs) He calls her system fucking idiotic and asks how she can be so calm. Bonnie promptly ends the call, telling him to have a nice day. I was like, yes, Bonnie. Yeah, Yeah, fuck you, dude. (laughs) AJ asks again who's staying in his house, but Bonnie is gone. He checks outside and the lockbox is still open. Later, as he watches his face in the bathroom, he talks on the phone to his mom, played by Brooke Dillman. Do you remember Brooke Dillman as the home ec teacher in Superbad? Yes! (laughs) I was not sure of who Zach Kreger was, but when I saw her on the thing when I was writing the script, I was like, this dude has to be from comedy. Like, I knew the people that he's working with. You, you come from a comedic <laughs> There's no way you All don't. Right. And I was right. Yes, you are. <laughs> but she says that she can't hear him over the water and he turns it off, annoyed, asking if she's happy now. I'm like, Dude, Jesus, yeah. man. It's your mom. <laughs> She tells him that she's not happy at all and asks what he wants them to say when people are asking them questions. He tells her to say that she's a lying fucking bitch, referring to the victim. Yeah. Yeah. But his mother asks him to not talk that way because it's not nice. 
He says that ruining his career isn't nice either. So he's allowed to call her a fucking bitch. His mom says that she knows that he would never do what he's accused of. And she says that it's only a four hour flight for him to come home and that she and his father want to see him. AJ asks if his dad actually said that he wants to see him, but his mother's like, oh, you know how your father is. He's just upset. And home is Detroit. Yeah. So he's here. Oh, I wasn't even thinking. Wow. What a dick. Yeah. Dude. yeah. You're instead, right. Instead, he's going to stay in this haunted Airbnb. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. But he says that he's getting an important work call and hangs up on his mother as she's saying that she loves him. He answers the phone, playfully calling his friend on the other end the F slur and saying that he's back in town. I was like, my what jaw the fucking fuck? dropped. Yeah, I... <sighs> <laughs> I was in disbelief. Seeing Justin Long do all of this, it's it's weird for the brain to yeah. Yeah, you oh, can't no, even yeah. comprehend it. Yeah. We cut to AJ at the bar with his friend Everett, played by Zach Kreger. (laughs) (laughs) Everett says that he read the story and that he and AJ are old friends, so he just wants to know from him what happened. AJ admits that he and Megan did have sex. She just took some convincing is all. Everett asks what that means and if she said no. AJ's like, well, yeah, she said no at first, but then we kept messing around and she was down. He says he's the eye of the tiger. He's persistent and she came around. That's what happened. So if there's any ounce of maybe he didn't. No, he thought, I mean, wow. Yeah, all the, everything is true. Yes. Yeah. I, no. Like, no, yeah. man, yeah. That, that that's not uh, if your friend tells you this or you like just sock him in the mouth. You're like, right. It's not, the yeah. fact that his friend's just like, well, just like my only hope was that his friend was wearing a wire for the prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it he did, was. Yeah, I was it didn't look like it. I don't God think he was. shame. But again, yeah. we talk again about self-awareness and here the fact that he's like, no, like it's fine. You like. And then in the next scene, something else that he says, I'm like, oh, my fucking God, dude. It's unbelievable. Later, AJ comes back to the Barbary house drunk. As he takes his coat off, he makes a phone call. When the voicemail picks up, we see that he has called Megan, played by Sarah Paxton again. He leaves a message. He says that she probably doesn't want to talk to him, but he's really sorry if he did anything that night that offended her. He says that people can have different versions of the same thing, and he's not even mad at her, so he hopes that she's not mad at him. Emotion creeping into his voice, he says that he's really sorry, and if she'll just call him back, he'll apologize to her again. I was like, I'm not even mad at you. Yeah, are you fucking... (laughs) I'm fucking fuming at this point. The framing. Again, you're the victim here. You've made yourself the victim that she's ruining your career. Yeah. You know what it is, though, is it's kind of... That idea of he has it in his head. He's a nice guy. Why? How could I? Exactly. I could never. Not me. I'm I'm a nice guy. Yeah. No. And again, you know, we're not there yet, but something later. Yeah. It's like, wow, dude, you have no fucking idea who you are. (laughs) No. Or you you refuse to believe it or whatever. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) wow. I, I, I'm struggling with this dude, man. Yeah. Like it's it's very hard. But see, I I feel like I think he's just a piece of shit. He knows what he knows. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's just trying to like cover whatever he can and like he's I just don't 
I his character takes a very big downfall for me throughout for like he sucks. Yeah. Like he just sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> there's like, nothing, yeah. It's not just like, oh, that sucks. You know, it's like, no, you suck. Yeah. Like we for were real. we it's, were uh, bold and underlined. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> suck. <laughs> Italics. Yeah. We were uh, <laughs> having a debate the other night about AJ uh-huh. because I think that he really he doesn't I don't I think that he thinks that he's a good guy and that she misread their interaction and that if he could just explain himself everything would be fine because you know whatever John Paul's like no he knows what he did I, I think here's the thing I think he knows exactly what he did I think the distinction is in his mind is that him thinking that he is a nice guy he would never do something like that and if he did do something like that there's plenty of excuses why he did something like that right right. and that's kind of the the path you see him going down yeah is he can't admit to himself that he's a piece of shit right he is a piece of shit no yeah and he knows he's a piece of shit but he can't tell himself that and so he's telling his mom that story he's telling his lawyer this story he's telling this friend this story there's always a reason there's always an excuse no you're just a piece of shit disgusting like fucking disgusting yeah but he wakes up in the morning and immediately goes to the toilet to throw up, which is how I feel after what we just <laughs> fucking watched. <laughs> Sitting on the floor next to the toilet, he sees Keith's electric toothbrush plugged in on the floor. He looks through Keith's suitcase before going into the bedroom and going through Tess's bags. You went through all things? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you had to. <laughs> Let me think about that more than <laughs> more than I should. She said it very funny. Yes. <laughs> what can I say? When he finds a laptop, he opens it and deduces that the owner's name is Tess. But he's unable to guess the password. I would like to know what he typed in because he typed in he, something. It was long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Justin Long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's wrong, and he just throws the laptop across the room onto the dresser. I really did not appreciate that. Like, good yeah. lord. Also, it was a MacBook, and wasn't Justin Long the Mac guy? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cute, actually. <laughs> he has a cup of coffee and sits down at the small table in the kitchen, where Tess dropped her keys before going into the basement after Keith. He looks at the keys for a moment before heading toward the basement door, which he closed after he arrived. He stands at the top of the stairs and calls down, trying the light switch, but the bulb has burned out. He asks if anyone is there and gets a loud thud in response. This goes into what I was saying. I think I've said it several times now. He is about to engage in a very terrifying situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is not wearing pants. You can't. (laughs) With vulnerable thighs, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, if you're wearing pants, you're going to feel more confident. The way that you've had an opportunity to say this a couple times. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I saw he wasn't wearing pants, I'm like, dude, put some pants on before you. Don't go down there without putting pants on. That's just, that's day one. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, do you think that maybe if a creature seeing you like that, they'd be like, whoa, hold uh, hold on. Like, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, like, no, no. I feel like for me, it's just personal comfort. Because <laughs> I don't I don't feel strong if I don't have pants on. No. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But look, if you're, like I said, what, I can't remember what we were I talking don't about. Feel strong. I, I don't, I, I can't confront something scary if I don't have pants on. That's just, <laughs> maybe it's just me. This is rule number one. Yeah. <laughs> But after the thud, he switches up his tone and says that he has a gun. In 30 seconds, he's going down and shooting, or if they come up now, he'll let them go. He demands to know who's down there, but no one responds. 
in the bedroom, AJ puts some pants on. There we go. <laughs> pants is full. He's dressed like he's yeah, going he up. Is. Yeah, he is. He gets dressed, <laughs> vowing to fuck up whoever's hiding in his basement. He arms himself with a knife and a flashlight and returns to the stairs. He calls down. One last chance for them to come up, but nothing happens. He heads down. He is puzzled to find the basement empty. The mirror is still propped up to shine light into the hallway behind the secret door, but the secret door is now closed. AJ stands looking at the mirror, but hears something behind him. He finds the rope and pulls the door open before stepping into the darkness of the hallway. He walks slowly, the light of his flashlight guiding him until he finds the room at the end of the hall. He sweeps the room with his light, softly muttering, oh my God. But we cut to AJ back upstairs, Googling if a downstairs room can be added to the square footage of a house when selling a home. <laughs> Justin Long's performance during the scene, weighing, he, he gets some bad news at first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the first answer is a flat out no, AJ keeps reading. He finds a source that claims it can't be added to the square footage, but it can be listed in the total area of the house. This is enough for them. He proclaims, yeah, bitch. <laughs> Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. <laughs> I look, why, how do you find that room? And that's your first thought. That's him. Yeah. And it, again, that's it only the awareness. Worse. Yeah. Again, something, there's nothing good that happened in this room. No. no, this looks like, I mean, we're watching a movie, but if you're in the movie, <laughs> it looks like something out of a movie. It yeah. looks like the worst thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I bet I could fucking make some money off of this. <laughs> like that, that's where you're at. Yeah. Selling it or not, you've got to contact somebody about that. Yes! Absolutely. Even if a realtor comes, they're going to be like, what the fuck is that? There is a bloody hand. Yeah, I, I think. And a bucket. <laughs> and the bucket. Yeah, and the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Don't undersell the bucket. That is fair. Back in the basement, AJ replaces the burned out bulb. He sticks the knife into his belt and begins to measure the length of the hallway with a tape measure. In the creepy ass room, AJ takes the measurements, even pushing the bed out of the way without a second thought until he reacts with disgust when he accidentally sits down on it. Unbelievable. Yeah. He steps back into the hallway, working out the math of the measurements, but stops when he accidentally backs up into that door leading deeper down below the house. He pushes the door open slowly, and when the horrifying stairs are revealed, AJ just starts to measure those two. Awareness. Yeah. I'm like... This is a cavern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're just going to try to make some money. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He laughs to himself as he pulls the tape measure down the stairs and reacts in awe at the tunnels underneath. He calls out, asking if anyone is here, but he doesn't get an answer. I'm like, did you forget all the shit that you saw upstairs of people clearly staying here? Yeah. Um, like, are you that blinded by maybe making a little bit of extra money because there's tunnels under your... Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. I, yeah. He yeah. saw the tunnels and he's like, jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> so ching Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah. He pauses, asking what all this is when he reaches the cages, but he just keeps measuring. He goes deeper and deeper into the tunnel before he sees that there's a light on. He calls out hello, but again gets no response, so he goes toward the light. Gregor said that the highest amount of disbelief came with the length of the tape measurer. 
And, <laughs> and I would agree. He's like, yeah, that's, yeah. Fair. <laughs> that's fair. AJ stands in the doorway of a new room. There's a bed, but the floor is covered with blankets. On the TV, an instructional breastfeeding video narrated by Sarah Paxton again <laughs> plays. A woman happily breastfeeds her baby as the narrator says to let the baby decide how long they want to nurse and that it's important for this to be a relaxing process for both parties. AJ is disgusted by what he sees. Yeah, I... <laughs> I just yeah. fucking I just can't with this guy. But that speaks to him as a character with everything you've seen so far. This is the first reaction. Yeah. yeah. That the room? No. This cavern? No. Breastfeeding. Ew. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, dude, oh my God. What the hell? Yeah. Suddenly, the tape measure in his hand begins to rattle and he loses his grip on it. He drops it and it disappears into the darkness of the hallway back the way he came. He holds out his flashlight in front of him and grabs his knife, but his hands are shaking so badly that he drops it. He picks it back up and holds both the knife and the flashlight out. <laughs> it looks like a video game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but whatever it is with the lens, his arms look really thin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the tiniest arms. It looks hilarious. It's like we had a child stand in. <laughs> um, but the way that the tape measure snaps back and the camera angles and the movement, that's Sam Raimi. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. But there are no sounds or movement in the dark hallway. Terrified, AJ runs the other way until his flashlight goes out. He hits it, causing it to come back on in flickering spurts. In these, AJ sees the mother coming down the hallway at him. The flashlight comes back on for good while she is right in his face. AJ turns and runs, blindly falling into a hole in the ground. He inspects himself with the flashlight to see that he dropped the knife next to him, but not before cutting his arm. He looks up and a metal covering closes over the hole that he fell through. He starts to panic, but out of the darkness, Tess leans toward him, shushing him urgently. I gasped. She's alive! (laughs) I was so glad that she didn't suffer Keith's fate. Yes. But, um... I will say, as he's running away from the mother, those claustrophobic shots really got to me. Yeah. And then being tossed in this hole, it's like, it. this is like, okay, no, we're back to a horror film. Because I'm measuring the fucking house. I'm like, oh, it's a horror comedy now. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, I was like, oh, this is house. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get this, and then Tess is alive, and it's like, man, everything's coming together. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're in this high tension moment, Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to black, and suddenly we see the exterior of the 476 Barbary home at a different time. The grass is very lush and green. The paint on the house is new and fresh. Frank, played by Richard Brake, walks out of the house and we follow him as he gets into his car. The neighborhood is thriving. People work on their yards outside and children play Frank starts to drive out of the neighborhood, the radio detailing the woes of the Reagan administration. I think it's here, too, where Heat of the Moment by Asia plays. Yeah. Frank waves to a neighbor walking her dog, and suddenly we're behind him as he walks the aisles of a supermarket. I did want to talk about Richard Brake very quickly. Mm-hmm. Amazing character actor. He's played a number of disreputable characters in Rob Zombie <laughs> movies. <laughs> <laughs> but he was also the original Night King. Hell oh, yeah. nice. All right. And if you look at him, you see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but he's a great actor. Oh, yeah. 
I uh, thought now would be a good time to bring up Zach Kreger's like kind of distaste for CGI. Mm-hmm. Okay. He s- said that he implemented a rule and they did have to break it a couple times. I mention it here because the greenness of the grass is CGI. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, but he said he did. He they broke the rules a couple times for like the seams. Uh, he said specifically on the mother costume to kind of blend them and make them look better. But his rule was that he did not want to use any CGI that would not have been available to John Carpenter when he made the thing. Holy okay. shit! All right. I thought that was so fucking cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I respect the hell out of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, we did have to break that rule a couple times, but that they mostly stuck to it. Yeah. I thought that was fucking oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And again, practical. I'm not yeah. s- not saying that CG's bad. Right. But I am saying if I had the choice. Of course. All practical all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this is obviously where the Pleasantville comes in. Yes. Yeah. Once you said that, I'm like, oh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. But in the supermarket, he asks an employee, Meg, played by Rachel Fowler, where plastic sheeting is. She tells him, and when he asks again where diapers and baby stuff are, she volunteers to show him. She leads him to the infant care aisle, asking how old his baby is. Frank replies that the baby isn't here yet, and Meg says that this is an exciting time. I gave more uh, words than Frank did. He's just like, not here. He's like, he doesn't give a lot. No. Frank doesn't look excited, though. And when Meg asks if he's taking her to a specific hospital for the big day, Frank replies that it's going to be a home birth. She says, bless your heart. And I know that this film does not take place in the South, but here in the South, that means, oh, you fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> for those unaware yeah. <laughs> but it's a sympathetic it is. Oh, you, you dumbass <laughs> like that's bless your heart yes i don't know i don't know what it means up north yeah. <laughs> that's it what it means mean here. the words that it, yeah. could mean, it could actually mean bless your heart <laughs> But she points out the plastic sheets and puts them in his cart. She asks what else he needs, saying that the midwife must have given him a list of what to get. But Frank says that it's just him. Meg snaps into action and puts some diapers in his cart. When he says that he might have latex gloves, she puts a box in the cart and then hands him a VHS tape titled Your Newborn and You. Wait, she had that there? It was on the aisle. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> it was a new baby aisle. Okay. And VHSs, man. I mean, oh yeah, it was the time. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's the 1980s. Right. Yeah. They said Reagan on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Radio. I think they talked <laughs> on the thing. Yeah, it was a weird time. In the parking lot, Frank loads his purchases into his trunk and gets in the car. We sit in the passenger seat, watching as he pulls out of his spot. But he freezes, staring at a woman across the parking lot loading groceries into her blue car. He stays there until she starts to drive away and he follows along, matching her speed. The scene changes, but our view and Frank's position are the same as he sits in the car on a residential street. He watches the woman take the groceries out of her trunk and go into her house. Calmly, he gets out of his car and goes to his own trunk. He pulls out a pair of coveralls with the name Carlos stitched on it. This is when I realized I've never seen Richard Brake play a decent human being. <laughs> <laughs> he is always, he is just a Some, villain. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, we've already got two guys playing against type here. True. This yeah. one is like, just like, no, just do your thing. <laughs> do your thing, cuz. 
<laughs> that's just that must be so nice to be able to just be out in the open and do whatever you want and nobody say anything to you what i'm scared well, I'm so- <laughs> not having to hide in the bushes oh. just changing right there i, I wonder oh changing speaking of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's of- what we're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 speaking of <laughs> that's just nervous <laughs> okay. noises yeah. <laughs> Those aren't even words. <laughs> Speaking of hiding in bushes, though, I wondered if the coveralls were a nod to Michael Myers. Oh, oh all right. All right. Very good. You know, that earns I don't know a point. Why, why it says Carlos. I did want to call it since you said Michael Myers. Um, the music of this section feels very John Carpenter. Okay. It does. There's yeah. a lot of pulsing synth. Uh, the music was done by Anna Drubik, and she. Really, for the majority of the film, it was more like atmospheric and like those screams at the beginning and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But this is like very, very of the 80s. It feels yeah. proper. But um, I did want to call out other films that she scored. She scored Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh. Werewolves Within. All right. And two of the three Fear Street movies. Very cool. All right. Yeah. We yeah. can agree the score was good. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. The score was good. <laughs> Wearing the coveralls, he knocks on the door of the woman's house. Quickly, the young woman, played by Kalina Stancheva, answers the door. Without hesitation, Frank tells her that he's with Detroit Water and Power. There have been outages in the area, and he just needs to check a few things out. He goes into her bathroom where he runs the sink as he unlocks the window. She's in the kitchen when he comes back out and she asks if everything is fine and he assures her that it is, but to call if there are any problems. He wishes her a nice day and leaves the house. The woman closes the door behind him. She is wearing a summery yellow dress. Mm -hmm. So I do want to make a note of that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I did want to point out the motion of the camera during this sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The very obvious sets in this sequence. Yeah, it's like you're in a dream. Yeah. And it's so jarring the way that yeah. we're even brought here. It it really adds to like this like, is this real? Yeah. It's almost you know, if this if the last part had ended with Justin Long being knocked out. Yeah. yeah. I would just think he was dreaming some weird <laughs> yeah. fucking Pleasantville. No shit. Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> That's the way the camera's yeah. moving. <laughs> well, shit, when he was sitting in the parking lot watching her, the yeah. radio, that was very GTA. It was. While he was yeah, just listening it, to the ad. It was like it cartoony. Was, yeah. yeah. It was a little coarse, too. I don't yeah. know if you remember. I was like, holy shit, he could say that on the radio? But uh, it was the 80s. Uh, goddamn. But um, yeah, I this whole sequence, I don't know. I like the way that it is the color palette. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just it's very interestingly done. And it's such in stark contrast to I think that because they've done that twice now. Yeah. Even the aspect ratio changes. Yeah. yeah. But Frank pulls back up to the house. But before he can go inside, he's stopped by his neighbor, Doug, played by Kurt Braunohler. I think he's a comedian. Oh, all right. I probably butchered his name. Well, so <laughs> I remember seeing him on At Midnight. Do you remember that show? Yeah. You know, Emily right. Fleming was on that show. I love Emily Fleming. We all love Emily Fleming. But he warns... Not that it's a competition. <laughs> I love her more. I love her more. <laughs> but he warns Frank that there's going to be a for sale sign outside of his house tomorrow. He says that he and his family are moving because the neighborhood is going to hell. Frank doesn't say a word, just unlocks his trunk. Doug follows him and asks if he's moving too, but Frank says he's not going anywhere. 
Doug should be asking why he's wearing coveralls that say Carlos on them. Uh, yeah. But yeah. He's not. More lack of awareness. Right. Yeah. Frank goes inside and carries his groceries down the hall. He slowly opens the door to the basement. And while it's open, we hear a woman's distant screams. So I appreciated their restraint on that portion. Yeah. Because they're kind of saying it all without saying it all. Yeah. And I appreciated that, especially after what we're dealing with with fucking AJ. Yes. I was like, hold some shit back, please. Yeah. I did like the way this was was all done, but at the end of it, I was just like, "What the fuck? What was that?" <laughs> it was his dream. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. AJ's yeah. dream. Yeah. Back in present day, Tess ties a cloth around AJ's wounded arm. She asks if anyone knows that he's here. He absently tells her no in his panic, but keeps asking where they are. He yells, but Tess keeps her voice low. She tells him that it's very important to stay calm and to not freak out around her. He says that he doesn't want to be here, but she snaps at him, asking if he thinks she wants to fucking be here. I don't want to be in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me no either. No shit. Not only that, I'm sorry, but if I find myself in that, I, there's no help. Oh, yeah. I don't need to scream. I don't like, yeah, and I know that's easier said than done, but look where you are. And someone yeah. else is in here. If yeah. they're not screaming, then shut up. Yeah, there's a reason. I'm following your weird rules. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you Whatever say. Whatever you yeah. say. I'm the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're training me. <laughs> but she calms herself and says that he can't get upset. If he gets upset, then she'll get upset. AJ asks who she is loudly. Tess tries to get him to quiet down as metal creaks above them. AJ aims his flashlight upward and thin tendrils of hair come down through the metal grate. The mother holds out a bottle to him, her nails long and dirty. AJ just stares at the bottle as the music pulsates and the mother begins to shake it at him, clearly losing patience. He still seems confused, but Tess whispers at him urgently to drink it. <laughs> I don't know. Look, there, the confusion there is, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. But this is the most straightforward thing. Oh, I've yeah. Ever seen yeah. <laughs> it's very clear yeah, what you drink want to do. Yeah. Dude, like, come on. The mother pulls the bottle away from AJ and thrusts it towards Tess. She drinks it obediently, and the mother presents it to AJ again. It's got, like, hair all over it. Like, it is horrifying. Yeah, but what position are you in? Oh, no, we're drinking it. Yeah, we're drinking it. Yeah, I'm a hamster real quick. It's all right. (laughs) I don't want to think about what's in there, but we are going to drink it. And then you think about Tess being down here for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. He cowers away. <laughs> I've never heard you more disgusted. I'm <laughs> heartbroken. Oh, they said the hair on there was a accident, actually. Well, oh, it, shit. It, it really adds to the yeah, horror. Absolutely. He cowers away from the bottle as she shakes it, dripping liquid onto his face. He shrinks away from her, and Tess tells him to get up and drink. The mother jerks the bottle back up, banging it on the metal grate. There's silence for a moment as AJ looks up with the flashlight. He shakes with fear, though, as the grate opens and the mother jumps down with them. She looks over at Tess, who doesn't make a sound, and cradles her, holding her to her chest. She groans, baby. I gotta be honest, uh, the noises being made by 
the actor yeah are so like they're off-putting <laughs> i don't know how else to describe it but when this scene continues i had to look away for a minute because <laughs> i was like i just had some noodles i can't <laughs> i can't be doing this noodles so soon after noodles <laughs> It was, it was a lot. AJ <laughs> whimpers and the mother abandons Tess and lunges at him. She grabs him by the throat and growls in his face. She babbles at him, inches away from his face until AJ begins to scream. She grabs him by his legs and pulls him up through the grate. Tess is left alone with AJ's dropped flashlight. I was like, dude, because he's like, oh, God. (laughs) Just shut up. She literally just told you what to do. I... (laughs) But she's following the rules and she got hugged yeah uh-huh. you're getting growled at just fucking listen no, uh, later dumbass yeah, yeah. peace and the yeah. door is open the door's open hmm. left your flashlight let's uh oh, yeah <laughs> i've acquired a flashlight yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the mother drags aj back into the room where the breastfeeding video plays on the tv she throws him onto the blankets crawls on top of him and boops his nose well that's cute i was like what is happening <laughs> Tess takes this opportunity to climb up and out of the hole. In the room, the mother cradles AJ and forces him into her lap. She holds him by his neck while his feet kick in futility. Tess makes her way down the hall towards the room, following the sound of AJ's screams and the light from the video. As she approaches, she turns off the flashlight and peeks into the room. In the room... The mother is forcing her nipple into AJ's mouth in a failed attempt to breastfeed him. I did see in one of those interviews that there was a scene that was cut here. Um, while she's trying to breastfeed him, they a rat was going to run across the floor. She grabs the rat, bites its head off, and starts eating it and chews it up and like baby birds it to AJ. I mean, my God. Which I... <laughs> What? I'm we like, we, he's already dead. Yeah. Yeah. We've noodles. seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> the noodles can't take that. No. There's only so much these noodles can take. I feel like they it was smart. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we don't need yeah. all that. This is enough. And honestly, with how we grow to feel about this character, yeah. the mother, yeah. that would have been too far. Right. Yeah. But seeing this as her chance to escape, Tess continues past the door, but draws attention to herself when she walks right into the abandoned tape measure. The mother shifts her focus from AJ to the hallway, and Tess books it. She runs down the rest of the hallway and up the stairs, past the scary room and into the basement. She runs up the basement steps, but is devastated to see that AJ let the door close behind him. She tries to open it, but it doesn't budge, even when she throws her weight against it. She runs back down into the basement and to the window as the mother begins to scream from deep within the basement. Tess breaks the glass to the window and begins to climb out. With half of her body out, she is pulled out the rest of the way by the unhoused man who tried to get her attention earlier. This is Andre, played by James Butler. I love the misdirection of this shot. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going back and forth. You do not think that she's going to be pulled out. You no. You think she's going to be pulled back in. Yeah. He pulls her away from the house just as the mother reaches toward her. And that shot pulling away from the mother is... Yes. Yeah. Tess looks back into the basement in horror as the mother disappears into the darkness. Now on her feet, Andre pulls Tess toward the street. She tries to tell him that there's something in the house, but he assures her that he already knows 
She's in there. Tess says that there's someone else in the house, though, and they need to help him. In the basement, with the mother gone in search of Tess, AJ sits up on the blanketed floor. Outside, Andre tells Tess that there's no helping AJ and that she just needs to count herself lucky that she got out. I mean, yeah. He's like, and I read the Hollywood Reporter, so yeah. you don't. So fuck, fuck that this dude. dude. Yeah, just leave him there. Yeah. yeah. Shit. <laughs> he says that the house is a bad place and Tess never should have gone in there in the first place. He says that the mother isn't even the worst thing in there. That line is breezed past. Yeah. yeah. That's the scariest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So we're never going back in this house. No. Yeah, hell no. He advises Tess to worry about herself. He says that he stays by the water tower and pulls Tess with him. Tess fights against it, saying that they need to call someone to help AJ because if they don't, she will kill him. Andre says that he doesn't even have a phone. He asks how exactly she thinks she's going to help because she comes out at night and she'll come looking for Tess. So (laughs) you're telling me that... The mother is just prowling the neighborhood. I guess yeah. at night, and it's known to him at to, least. Like that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I can't even put into words. Like it's bad enough with Tess and Keith sleeping in the house that night. Yeah, but she got out of the basement because she was going out. Yeah, side. It had nothing to do with them. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> that's wild yes he says that she needs to get going before that and not come back he warns her not to be around when it gets dark using his phone for light aj travels down the hallways of the basement he sees a bell mounted on the wall with a long line attached to it and he follows the line tess dirty battered and bleeding from the broken window walks down the street alone Suspenseful music mounts as she passes the abandoned and even burned out houses. AJ continues to scream down the hallway until he hears someone scream. He freezes, focusing his light behind him with a shaking hand, but when he doesn't see anything, he takes off running. The line attached to the bell disappears into a closed door at the end of the hall. AJ takes a last look behind him as the mother growls in the distance. There is nothing but darkness in the hallway, but finally the mother comes into view. She moves slowly and then completely stops, her body just a little more than a suggestion in the darkness. She hesitates before backing up and disappearing again. AJ turns the handle of the door and lets himself into a room. The fact (laughs) that the mother seems scared to be going down here yeah i'm not fucking going in there no once again lack of awareness yeah yes because she was scared that's the dead giveaway yeah yeah this is what's worse yes tess walks until she finds a gas station she eagerly asks the attendant played by julian stanishkov if he has a phone aj tramples through a filthy floor full of discarded trash There's a TV on, shining nothing but a blue light into the room. It's like, damn, dude, you live like this? Yeah. (laughs) God damn. Yeah, it's a little dirty. (laughs) Recycling's Thursday. (laughs) Don't know if you knew that. (laughs) AJ stops to inspect a yellow flowery dress when someone coughs behind him. Now, we have seen this dress before. Mm -hmm. That I did not catch. Yeah. Yeah. He turns a lamp in the direction of the sound, and there, in a bed, 
clearly sick and much older is Frank. AJ says that he scared him and asks if he's okay, but Frank just stares up at him. At the gas station, a police car pulls up. Tess is overjoyed to see them and runs over to the window, resting her hands on the car and trying to explain the situation. Officer number one, played by Derek Morse, interrupts her to tell her to take her hands off of the car. At that point, I was like, they're not going to be any help. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is not going to work. Officer number two, played by Trevor Van Uden, just sits beside him silently. Officer number one asks if she's the one that called and Tess says yes. She tells him that she's been held prisoner in a house for she doesn't even know how long. But when the radio goes off, the officer holds up a hand to silence her. He responds to the call, telling dispatch to give him 10 minutes. I'm like, this is going to take longer. Yeah. Yeah. Do not care. No. He asks if she has an ID, but she says no, reiterating that she just told him she's been held prisoner. All he's heard is that she doesn't have an ID. And Tess says that she doesn't have anything. She says that she's not an addict, nor is she crazy. She's escaped from being held prisoner. And there's a man that's still in serious danger. I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't they believe her? She doesn't sound like she's no lying. I don't like, I mean, I think the only thing I can think of is where they are. And if you think of, you know, everything you hear response times. Yeah. They're like, I don't give a fuck. Well, even when she had called, the dispatcher was like, we don't have like, exactly. I, we don't give a fuck. So basically. it's, it's kind of speaking to that. I think. All right. With the commentary. Like, what the fuck? What? It is. It's so frustrating. Yeah. 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 Especially knowing what we know. Yeah. yeah. Back in the room, Frank coughs and points at a bottle of water for AJ to bring to him. AJ does as he's asked and Frank takes a drink. AJ assures Frank that they're going to get out of here. Then he's like, well, I'm going to get out of here. But he says that he'll send help and let everyone know what's going on down here. He says that that thing is going to pay. He says that there's going to be cops swarming the place soon. And ominous music plays as we close in tighter on Frank's face. He points again for AJ to get something for him, but AJ is confused. When he doesn't know what Frank wants, he picks up the small table and brings everything to him. Frank continues to motion toward AJ, but AJ maintains that he doesn't know what he wants. He goes looking for his phone, and Frank sets the water down on the table and starts to open the drawer. Outside, officer number one peers into the broken basement window with his flashlight. Tess urges them to open the front door, but the officer says that if this isn't her house and she doesn't have keys, they're not going in. She urges them to just break the door down because someone is trapped inside, hitting it herself, but he tells her to stop. She's in disbelief, saying that the woman inside has killed a man already and she might be killing another one right now. The officer says that there's no one inside the house and the only crime that he's seen is Tess breaking the window. He never saw that. Yeah, no, you didn't. Uh-uh. You're right. Yeah, yeah, no, you did not. <laughs> like You made a lot of yeah. assumptions here. <laughs> she asks what she can say to get him to listen, but officer number two says that they've gotten a call that their shots fired, and officer number one starts back toward their car. Tess is angry, calling the motherfuckers and asking if they're leaving. Officer number one tells her that they've had enough of her, and she's lucky they don't bring her downtown to sleep this off. Tess asks if he's kidding, but they both get back in the car and stare at her as they slowly drive away. I would just like to point out 
that she escaped this house. Yeah. yeah. She ran to the police to get help. <laughs> they drove her back <laughs> and, left, and her. left her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's beyond. Not only that, sleep what off? If yeah. anything, you probably are a little gamey because you've been in a fucking for cellar for two weeks. <laughs> well, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't smell like any kind of alcohol. There's no, no yeah. like what they what, what, they're uh, just making assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. They assume because yeah. where she's from, where you know yeah. where she is. It's bullshit. But she sobs standing in the road and begging for their help as they drive off. In the room, AJ scans a collection of VHS tapes. They have handwritten labels with women's names, some of them with subtitles. Pregnant, very fat, biter, heavy, scar, blonde, screamer, no teeth. He looks at the TV, displaying nothing but the blue light. There's an ejected tape at the bottom with the label gas station redhead. AJ pushes the tape back in. Upstairs, we see the belongings that AJ, Tess, and Keith have all left behind in the dark house. Suddenly, a window breaks and glass flies inside. Tess steps in through the broken window. She walks to the small table in the dining room and picks up her keys before turning around and heading back to the door. Downstairs, AJ's eyes widen with horror as he watches the tape. We don't see anything, but we hear a woman screaming. He looks back at Frank, who is rifling through the drawer that AJ brought over to him. He asks what the fuck is wrong with him and starts to yell at Frank when he doesn't answer him. This is when I'm like, oh, you don't see that y'all are the same. Exactly. They're, it's the same coin. Yeah. yeah. Frank just knew that he wasn't a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's the commentary that's attempted here. Yeah. Is him staring at basically the monster that he himself is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's in him. Just, yeah. yeah. Frank has found what he's looking for in the drawer, though, and pulls out a gun. He turns toward AJ, who raises his hands. Tess gets in her car outside. She starts it and sits, staring through the windshield mournfully. In the room, Frank presses the gun to his own temple, and AJ screams in protest as we hear the gun go off and see a flash of light. This confused me a little uh, the first time I watched it, because I was like, is it because like you've been found out? But I'm like, no, he fucking said the cops are going to be swarming. Yeah. It's all self-preservation. There yeah. was no remorse. No, there was no, no. no, you're saving your own ass because you're about to get fucking caught for what you've done this whole time. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. ugh. Outside, Tess backs up and faces the house with her vehicle. The mother bursts out of the front door, screaming and running toward her. Tess drives forward, hitting the mother and pinning her against the house. She tries to reverse again, but her car stalls. The mother slams her fist onto the windshield, shattering it. She screams before calming down and growing still, staring at Tess. I, okay, I didn't expect the mother to jump out like that. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, showtime. But Andre was right. And she's like waiting for the sun to go down like a vampire. Like she's like, five more minutes. <laughs> like, unbelievable. <laughs> I did like this though. Yes, yes, yes. Her hitting her with the car. Like uh -huh. I was like, okay, you were, you knew. Yeah. He, like you said, he told you. Well, she yes. listened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, here it is. Back to. Come out, motherfucker. Her being a smart protagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was mad when she broke the window and I was like, this bitch is not going back down in this fucking basement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I'm getting my keys and I'm fucking waiting in my car. Yes. It's like, all right. 
but Tess stares at her horrified before getting out of her car. The shot, the way it lingers on the mother. Yeah. You start to understand and you begin to feel sympathy. Yes. And it's another shift you didn't expect. Yeah. That's the thing is, and I think Zach Kreger said she's the most sympathetic character in the film. And she really is. Yeah. Because, again, even looking at her actions, what does she know? Mm -hmm. She knows the horrific violence from Frank Mm -hmm. and she knows that breastfeeding video of this like perfect motherly love. That's all she knows. And so everything is motivated by the, that the dichotomy of those two things. Mm -hmm. It's really, I mean, so fucking sad. It is. It's you weren't expecting it. No, But in the room, Frank lies dead on his bed with the gun next to him. The door opens and AJ is wielding the gun now, holding it out in front of him and still using the flashlight on his phone. He starts back down the hall. Tess is back in the house now, which I will excuse because the mother is dealt with. Yes. She's dealt with the mother. All right. Yeah, because I was like, what the fuck are you? Okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) She drags the dining room chair to prop the basement door open and heads down with the flashlight. Outside of the room with the breastfeeding video playing, Tess sees a light, but she doesn't see AJ behind it. She calmly calls out, hello? And AJ shoots. I, the amount of curveballs that have been thrown at us in this film. I was like, Tess is dead? (laughs) (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? I was after I, all the yes. I was pretty annoyed. Yeah, I was like, you can see her. He has the flashlight. You have oh the flashlight. Oh my god! Yeah. You can I see her. Does that look like a seven foot tall? Yeah. Like what really? What the fuck? I didn't. I didn't. That didn't. I'm not gonna lie. That did not even occur to me. <laughs> I'm thinking she can't see him because of the light, but he's no. Yeah, <laughs> he's shining he the light see her. on her. Yeah, at her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's even more frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't even occur to me. <laughs> like I said, just worse. And where I'm like, yes. oh my God, dude. Every single thing. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. <laughs> Tess goes down, staring at the video in the room next to her as AJ apologizes and tries to tend to her. He lifts her up and she screams as he apologizes profusely. He helps her outside and laments that her car is fucked. Tess immediately realizes that the mother is no longer on the hood of her car. She asks if they can use AJ's car, but he dropped the keys back in the tunnel and he refuses to go back there. He asks where they can go now, but Tess says that she knows. He helps her down the street and she assures him that she thinks they're close as they pass a water tower. He asks what this place is and she says that he'll be here somewhere. As if on cue, Andre appears from behind a fence and asks them to be quiet. There is a very short shot of the water tower from the ground level mm-hmm. pointed up at the top, and it is a very smart bit of foreshadowing. Mm. All right. And I caught it the second time, but very I was like, good. all right, all right. But Andre lifts a broken piece of the fence, and they climb through and follow him inside. They inspect the gunshot wound in Tess's stomach, but Andre can't offer them any clean bandages when asked. He muses that he can't believe that she let them get this far. And AJ asks what she is. We have some really fucking great lines here from Andre. Yes. 
He says that she's just a crazy lady living in that house and she's been there some 40 years. He says that she was born in that house. AJ says that he owns the house and no one lives there, but Andre tells him he may own the paper, but that's her daddy's house. He says that neither of them have left there. He says that her dad used to bring women down there and he started having babies with them. Then he started having babies with the babies. And when you make a copy of a copy of a copy, you end up with something like that. I I am speechless. The, the, yeah. the, what, there's nothing yeah. to say. Tess and AJ stare at him in horror. He says that she got Tess real good, indicating her wound, but AJ takes responsibility for it. Tess excuses it as an accident, but AJ is adamant that they need to get her help. He asks where they can go, but Andre says they just need to stay here and wait. AJ says he can't do that because this is his fault. He hurt someone and that matters. He begins to cry, but he pulls himself together. I'm like, okay, it is wild and bold of Zach Kreger to be giving this character a redemption arc. Yeah, and the way the camera was swooping in, I'm like, stop it. I'm like, yeah. he's crying. I'm <laughs> like, uh, let's let's see where this goes because he's not just crying for Tess. Yeah. Like, you can see that he's like, oh, like, oh my God. Like, yeah. you know, maybe being faced with Frank down there. So I'm like, maybe this is a turning point for him. I'm not saying he can be redeemed. No. I'm saying that we're starting an arc here. He says he doesn't know if he's a bad person, but he might be. Or he might just be a good person who did a bad thing. But he can't change what he's done. He can only try to fix it. He vows that that's what he'll do. He'll fix it. Andre cautions that if he goes out there and gets himself killed, he's not going to help anyone. He assures him that they're safe here and that Tess will make it through the night. In the morning, they can take her to get help. Tess asks how he's sure that she can't get in here, but he says that he's lived here for over 15 years and she's never come in here. At that, the mother bursts through the wall and scoops Andre up. <laughs> the shot of Andre, you knew. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, what he's saying is <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it's like, oh that's never yeah. happened. Damn it. <laughs> and it's certainly not, not going to happen tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She holds him up and literally rips his arm off like fucking Chris Angel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tess screams and AJ books it the fuck out of there. Yeah, right away. Immediately. You just gave a speech, dude. Yes. Two seconds yeah. ago. So if y'all believed me about the redemption arc, ha, yeah. <laughs> we did the party streamers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did laugh as he booked around the corner because he goes, shit, 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 yes. shit. It's like, dude, you're leaving oh my God. your wounded savior yeah. behind. She, she, she saved, saved you. you. You wounded her. Yes. Yeah. But the mother beats Andre with his arm as Tess gets up and runs after AJ. She trails after him outside, but when he inspects the fence, he says that they can't get over because it's barbed wire. The mother screams from inside the building and AJ runs up the stairs of the water tower. Tess struggles to keep up with him, slowed by her fucking gunshot wound that he gave her. <laughs> she begs AJ to wait for her, but he fucking flies up the stairs. He looks over and sees the mother climbing up behind Tess. 
Tess calls up to him to use his gun. And as if remembering that he had it in the first place, AJ takes it out. He fumbles with it for seemingly forever (laughs) before (laughs) dropping it down. It bounces off the stairs as the mother continues to advance. It's... I'm like everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fucking you can't get right. No. Like, yeah, this is fucking it insane. It was a little cartoon. It was. It's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he juggles it for like five yeah. minutes. It's it's too much. Tess finally joins AJ at the top as he realizes that there's nowhere to go. He says that if she wants them, then she's gonna get them and she's never gonna stop. He looks at Tess. I don't know why it made me laugh that he's forecasting her future. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to get us and she's never going to stop. I, I, that was very funny. Yes. He's spiraling. Yeah. Yes, he is. And I get it, but goddamn. Come on, dude. He looks at Tess and suddenly realizes that he can get away, but he needs Tess to slow her down. He grabs her hair and calls out to the mother as Tess begs him not to. He says, come get your baby before throwing Tess off of the water tower. I can't, I can't, I don't even know how many times my jaw dropped in this movie, but this was a fuck. this was another one. Uh, yeah. It's, it's become, we can't even count this high. Yeah. You're a cartoon villain now. Yes. Yeah. He was twirling his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> She falls in slow motion, looking up at the top of the water tower, and before long, the mother comes soaring down after her. Alone now at the top, AJ looks over the side. Tess lays on top of the mother, who broke her fall, and blood pools behind the mother's head. So this was the one shot that Jordan Peele asked him to change, Kreger. What was it? There is a shot of the mother in midair capturing... and then falling behind her you remember in the dark night where the joker just throws rachel out the window and batman's like oh shit and somehow with superhero gravity (laughs) he fucking breaks her fall they do smash into a car (laughs) and nobody talks about that (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah we don't need that no No. it's no jordan bill was yeah he's like we can go ahead (laughs) no her coming down like that no um, she's a superhero like an olympic diver was enough yeah <laughs> but AJ closes his eyes and breathes a sigh of relief before climbing down the stairs and through the hole in the fence. He finds the gun on the sidewalk and picks it up before standing over the bodies of Tess and the mother. Tess comes to and he immediately apologizes, mm-hmm. saying that he had no choice. He says that she was going to kill both of them. So he panicked and he had no time to think. Really, he didn't even let go of her. Tess just slipped. There was nothing he could do. Again, rationalizing. I was like, no. my my face was probably like cartoon red. <laughs> I was so fucking mad. But see, that's the thing. You did have time. You thought it over in your head. And so again, I still think you know you're just a piece of shit. You know what you're doing. And then when you get caught, you try to make an excuse for it. You know that you're no good, dude. Right? You fucking had a choice and you fucking launched her. I will say. I gotta save, he did. He did. No, he did. It's just the verb was funny. What? No. You, no, you don't. She had a choice. She didn't. And even I said to leave y'all the fuck down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went down there and <laughs> saved you, dude. Even I even said. I said. <laughs> fuck you. Stay down there. I'll send help. Yes. That's fine. I, I think the only reason that I, I think that it's his own denial. He's like, he did it. Yeah. But I, I can't have done that. 
I am AJ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like AJ wouldn't do something yeah. like that. But you did, AJ. Yeah, yeah you're you a did. piece of shit. You're yeah. garbage. But he tells her that he's saving her and that she'll be okay. As AJ lifts up Tess, the mother sits up and grabs a hold of AJ's throat. She lifts him off the ground before plunging her thumbs into both of his eyes and ripping his head in two. Justin Long cannot get a break on his no, eyes. No, no. <laughs> he can't, can't fucking get a break. But this is another rest in piss. Yeah. <laughs> rest in piss. <laughs> Never been fucking out uh, here. So glad. Can we bring Keith back to life? <laughs> yes, please. She tosses him aside like the trash that he is. Mm. She goes over to Tess and frets over her gunshot wound. She babbles at her, trying to cradle her. But when Tess tries to let her, the pain is too much. She grabs the gun that AJ dropped and the mother points back toward the house. But AJ whispers to her that she can't go back. The mother tries to pick her up, but Tess yelps in pain. She presses the gun into the mother's cheek. The mother stares at her, gently saying baby. She presses her fingers to her lips in a kiss before pressing the kiss onto Tess's forehead. Tess pulls the trigger. It cuts to black and the credits play in snippets as Be My Baby by the Ronettes plays. Between the credits, we see Tess sit up. She limps down the street away from the water tower. I just want to say the song choice is perfect. Yes. There is something, and this is just me personally, there is something about Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Every time I hear it, it gives me goosebumps. And I don't know why there's some frequency in my brain. And if you catch me on the wrong day, my eyes might walk up. There is something, I don't know if it's the desperation of the vocal, the the relation I have to the song. I don't know what's going on. But even the second time I watched it, I was like, I watched it last night. I'm probably not going to get <laughs> I did. <laughs> did that help it or hurt it for you? Oh, it helped in a weird way. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. But the credits roll, and I have to ask, what did you guys think of Barbarian? Great song. Yes. I love the song. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm not going to lie. It, I, I see how it works here, but it also kind of feels a little uh, comedic. You know what I mean? So I was kind of like, is that really what, like, what are we going for here? It was uh, it was a little bit of both, you know. It's but a, I, but I was it's yeah. a little on the nose, right. but yeah. I don't. I like it. Well, no, I was, it's good. I was too busy crying apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to even to even pay attention. So no, I really enjoy this movie. I think the only thing uh, I will say, like I said, uh, I did knock off the point for him just screaming. Andre, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing that I wrestled with was like, obviously the characters are all great. Tess is great. Keith, we love Keith. Um, but AJ's, uh, I think that- <laughs> He's I think, shaking both fists. I think the thing is, is like, we do like these characters. And when you feel something for the characters, you know that the movie did a good job. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're invested. You hate these characters. Oh, well, they did a good job. But did you do a little too much to make me just hate him to where he almost ruins the movie for me? Oh, wow. Like, it's like, come on. There's nothing redeeming about him. There's not. There's nothing like he's just a piece of shit to be a piece of shit. And I get if there's some kind of commentary behind it. Still, the guy's like, really? It's like, And then I think it has to do to, like you stated before, it does it does flip you on your head because you like Justin Long. Yeah. And, and what the characters he plays, and this is not a typical character for him to play. 
But again, like I said, it is like, is it too much? Is there it's too much for it me to lot. just be like, man, I don't even, you know, he just, his character just pisses me off. Do I want to watch a movie where I'm just going to get mad now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But again, that's good acting. That's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. You made me, you brought this out of me, whether it was anger or sadness or joy or la- whatever, you did bring something out of me. So yeah, you did your job, mm-hmm. but did you bring it too much? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm too yeah, mad. But it's like, is it, does it, like really, does that frustration you have with this character, is that, so much to where it does overshadow other things in the movie. Right. And that's really the only, that's the only major complaint I have about this movie. That and maybe the rewatchability. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Maybe not something you're able to watch all the time. But uh, I mean, other than that, I really liked it. Like I thought it was good. Everybody was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was It was something different and I enjoyed it. I know I agree I think it's a very very well put together film yeah I think that the thing with AJ is difficult because when Tess is going back to the house it's like I would love if you knew oh yeah who yeah. you're trying who to you're save. trying to save yeah you would just go to the Marriott or whatever I said earlier yeah. <laughs> and stay there and be yeah. done and this be would not even be totally a thing. justified but um Craiger had said in an interview that his idea of making AJ this character is because it, and they hinted at it earlier, is Tess is a woman who is finding herself in a lot of horrible situations against her will. Right. AJ is the kind of character who puts women in terrible situations against their will. Okay. And so it was meant to be like the inverse. He is the inverse of Tess. Yeah. And so it was supposed to be like a, um, um, I guess a mirror, so to speak, or you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say, my words aren't coming yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But um, I understand the uh, attempt. Yeah. I understand the commentary therein. But goddamn, is AJ horrible. Yeah. He's awful. Justin Long is hilarious. Yeah. And there are moments that I was laughing out loud. And then you're like, oh, oh wait. wait, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> you're not funny. I'm only laughing at Justin Long. Yeah, I'm not yeah. laughing, I'm at, laughing you. at you, you piece of shit. But um, so it does. I mean, it does make it a little difficult. And uh, I will say, though, outside of that, it, it's a really, really good film. Yep. Totally agree with uh, rewatchability because that what the fuck factor really played into that first watch. It did. Yeah. And and the thing is, and, and this gave it points for me. Hmm. This is a cut and dry story. There is no I need to whatever or I need to do background. It's cut and dry. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an ending, and that's it. Well, he's he's been asked if he would want to do a prequel, and he has said no. Thank you. Which, I mean, I appreciate, because that, I mean, you, if you want to do a quick cash grab, you could. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, no, that's not a story that I want to tell. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Because, goddamn, if we didn't want to follow around AJ, we want to fo- follow around Frank for a yeah, fucking prequel? No, no. Shit. no we're like, good. I'm okay. We're good. Um, Yeah, I... I love this and i thought that i loved it the first time i watched it i agree with the rewatchability factor but not having that disorientation i really was able to appreciate a lot of the nuance and a lot of the commentary that was there the first time that i couldn't i was so off balance i couldn't fucking absorb it yeah i really i I loved this i i was expecting watching it for a second time for it to not be as good to me but it was just as good and in a different way. Okay. I think that this film is really challenging 
to the point where like you guys were saying AJ you you want him to die uh, it's hard when you your protagonist you don't give a fuck what happens to them <laughs> yeah. and so the fact that this was still engaging we're still afraid of the mother when we're in the basement but later you realize that she's the real victim in this yeah that aj is the monster frank is the monster mm -hmm. the mother is not the monster i really i i hate that uh andre had to go out the way that he did yeah, yeah. Um, that seemed like a little too much it I was think. it was a lot yeah uh, like but again i feel like it, it's challenging you because the mother is the victim and it's she's just been fed this diet of like I said, this motherly love that exists on a VHS tape and horrific abuse from her father. That is all she knows. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's created a monster. Literally. Yeah. There's so like there's so much depth to that, to that. Like I'm I'm stuttering over yeah. my own words. <laughs> there's so much depth that is almost lost when you're so shook the first time you watch it. So I would say that rewatchability, it's never going to be the same as the first time you saw it, but there's still value in watching it again. Well, I saw the value in actually appreciating the filmmaking this time around. Right, yeah. exactly. Because okay. the first time it really was, <laughs> you you were just, you're like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah. But this time you're like, oh, that was a really good shot. Oh, yeah. Right. But I want more films like this, not necessarily this subject matter, but ones that are challenging ones that you don't know what's about to happen ones that you know subvert your expectations like even with the casting down you know it's i'm just really impressed yeah <laughs> <laughs> i really really like this i i think zach Kreger has a very interesting voice oh yeah yeah and this is a very unique idea mm -hmm. and i definitely want to see what else he has up his sleeve for sure oh no yeah but i guess we can go into ratings um I feel like I've kind of said everything that I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an interesting story to tell. And like you said, John Paul, the fact that we got our story and we're done. Yeah. Tess pulls the trigger and she gets her ass out of the neighborhood and mm -hmm. we're done. We don't need to check up with her in five years. We don't need to see Frank's backstory of why he's like this. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Nope. Ultimately for the story that we're telling right here, it doesn't matter We've got what we need and we're done. And there, there's something really valuable to that when there are a lot of films that's, you know, tune in next time and you can tell yeah. you're setting it up. Well, what did the house think of all this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what if someone else moved into this house in no, 20 years? No, no, it's no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Leave it alone. Yeah, because some of the best stories are just that story. Yes. yes. There is no, and the next time we meet him, like you <laughs> no, said, no, no. or the two be, no, that's it. The same story gets told over and over. Why? Because that one story is so good, it stands alone on its own. Mm -hmm. You don't need all the... I'm not saying there isn't good sequels or prequels or of requels course. or whatever the fuck wolves, but <laughs> it usually doesn't play out right sometimes. And so, it can it can at times feel like a cash grab. Yeah. For sure. So I appreciate a lot that. Yes. That this is, that's it. And thank you for not making another movie. <laughs> like, no, we don't need a prequel. That's fine. Yes. I uh, was going to say, we love a good franchise, but not everything needs to be one. Right. No, and I think that a lot of people think that it does. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it makes the money. It I mean, does. let's be honest. Doesn't make good content every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not always. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> 
but I think that this film has something really interesting to say. Mm-hmm. I can honestly see somebody watching this and hating it. And I would be like, I get it. I get why you didn't like it. Anybody who didn't, I get it. Like, I understand. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you're, you're like being very weird, weirdly. You have to make a choice. <laughs> Are you you like it? It's fine. I'm going to throw us off a water tower. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, good lord. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's very late. <laughs> it has been I, a long day. I think that's part of it. <laughs> I get it. I get why you didn't like it. <laughs> oh but my I, God. I liked it. Uh, to try to pull us back on the rails a little bit. Please. I will just <laughs> sum it all up. And say that on a scale from one to ten, <laughs> barbaric Airbnb basements. Oh, come on. You're, Why? Welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for that one. Wow. I am going to, and again, I'm I'm really uh, enamored by not knowing what's coming next, mm-hmm. by having a, an original idea. Um, I'm a sucker for that every time. So this was really like for me, it feels yeah. like. Mm-hmm. But I'm going <laughs> to... And if you didn't like it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Barbarian 9 out of 10 barbaric Airbnb basements. Wow. All right. I really loved this. I feel like there's something really interesting that's being explored I I just I really appreciate everything that went into this. Yeah. And uh I'm gonna sh- <laughs> shut the fuck up now. <laughs> Again, if you didn't like it, that's okay. <laughs> and I will now open up the floor. <laughs> so um I mean, yeah, we we have. We went on about it and <laughs> the movie is good. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I I did dock a point for that only because I feel like I do preach about that a lot. And then if I'm not willing to call it out on something that I do like, that's fair. You know what I mean? Um, but I do like this movie. Uh, Zach Kreger. I enjoy the way this movie looks, the way it is, the feel of it. Um, I'm real bad with names, but I'll try to remember because I do want to see more what this guy has to do. Hell yeah. yeah. Like I am very interested. This movie did keep me watching the whole time. You know, like you said, the shots, the every, the direction they took. Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, we, lo- we love Justin Long. Yes. But yes. damn, you know what I mean? He, he, he was a lot here. But again, like I said, that's really the the that's really my only main complaint. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I did love everything that was going on. I like what was happening. Um, so for me, on a scale of one to ten, barbaric Airbnb basements. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna give barbarian. You know what? I'm going to give it half a point because I'm excited to see what this guy's going to do. Okay. Uh, an eight out of 10. Oh, wow. Uh, I, again, I loved Tess. I loved Keith. Yes. I really liked Bill Skarsgård in the yeah. beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really liked him just playing a normal fucking person. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't and really get that. No. no. And uh, I want to see more of that. Yes. You know what I mean? And he did a fantastic job. They all did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a little too much. <laughs> I mean, but but again, if that's my complaint, 
that the movie made me feel something, you did your job. Right. Yeah. You did what you were supposed to do. I definitely agree with both of you that this is a really good movie. Yeah. I think that it is so well crafted. I said that a few times now, but just thinking back of the look and the feel of the film, mm-hmm. the shot compositions, it looks great. Yeah. The music's really good. Mm-hmm. The performances. Georgina Campbell is a fucking star. Incredible. Yes. That's an yes. amazing performance. Uh, Bill Skarsgård. I think here's, here's where my negatives come in. Mm-hmm. I was so captured by that first 40 minutes. Yeah. That first act is, I don't think I would change anything from it. No, yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't think anything that came after that lived up to that. Okay. That's where I'm a little lost. I did like the look and feel of the flashback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like... It it didn't take a... It's not like a big step down. Yeah. But if we're comparing acts... Right. No, yeah, I, I I will agree with that. You know, for a second, like I said, it does feel good, but it's kind of just there. And I was like, what, what? You know, that's like in my notes. I'm like, what the fuck was that? What, what, what happened? You know? Yeah. And I know that it, it 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 explains a lot. Yeah. And kind of fills in everything. And then you need to have somebody come to the house to explain tests and all this. Yeah. But I feel like I don't know. There was something very captivating about that first 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was and very much. And it, it was a lot of it was the chemistry between the two of them. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. to lose that for the rest of the film. Yeah. yeah. That that was a bummer. It was, it's bold it is very bold and that i respect that yeah but i just feel like i don't know it seemed like the it, it kind of makes sense what you had said earlier he had this idea and the idea was that first 40 minutes yeah and then he's like what if i threw a wrench at this idea yeah and then that's the rest of the film yeah, yeah. so right. that's what happened yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the writing process yeah so the first 40 minutes feels so focused and so clear and then, right, which I enjoyed a lot of what happened, mm-hmm. but again, it's not that first forty minutes. Right, yeah. I get that for sure. But um, I do appreciate the nuance. I know that there's a lot that's being said with this film, and I do appreciate that they're not uh, heavy-handed with it. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot left to you to think about, mm-hmm. and I think that it's a interesting examination on a lot of things. Mm-hmm another bold horror film that is taking a chance with interesting social commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Horror has always been a it has. vehicle for it. So let's keep this shit going. Yeah. But for me, out of 10 barbaric Airbnb basements, I am going to give Barbarian 7.5 barbaric Airbnb basements. Hey, you <laughs> yeah. did it. I was like, I got to say it again. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> out of 10. And I do want to say that if you didn't like it, it's fine. No, yeah. <laughs> I swear to it's you. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Right. I promise. I promise. It's, fine. it's totally fine. <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Barbarian and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, while it is possible for people to change, there are some who never will. Disregard their words and listen instead to your own instincts. Until next time.
Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, wow. We tried to keep them guessing. (laughs) (laughs) A special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Aggie, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake DePanda, John Ramos, Michael Nuding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Nick Spiel, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William Rush, Katarina, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Wesley Wyatt, Morgan Frenomorph, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Carlos J. Mota, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Paul Jordan, Christy Beck, and Nancy and Andy. Hey! Yeah. Wow. Thank you all. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. And I think it is safe to say that this is the mother mm. of all communities. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah, like, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. that, that about sums it up. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>